Josh, is it is it recording? Well, you could have you could have said it was recording. Hiya, it's Sally here. <laughs> Just a quick one, just a quick one. You can now rate Say Your Mind podcasts on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts. So if you can, do make sure that you do both. I know that some of you are just a little bit lazy. I can't say that. But why? Why why is it right? Anyway, now for the urban intro music. It's the Benz Brunani woman is Baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this Copy, Sit down, sit down, receive this realness Make sure your cup's ready for the tea We are go sippy, yo Hard time scrolling for your long shorts You might learn something you never know Collect you find, and she's one of a kind Don't say you mind, say you mind You're still the one-eyed punch Ooh, the one that I would cuss Ooh, you're still the one I can't wait to see at night You're still the one, you're still the one I'd catch a case for The one, <laughs> that was going off That was going somewhere else But hey, I'm here, back like the renegade master am i are my hands dry anyway i'm back recording back for another week um glad that you all appreciated the episode last week where i was prompted to do this freaking um do this reading for all of the signs i pray that yours resonated with you um because you deserved it not me you're never ever doing me a favor only yourself so always remember that that false benevolence doesn't work with me um but yeah otherwise very very happy for everybody freaking love it here back for another week um if you're watching this you'll see that I'm still in like my fitness well I changed I've got like my you know I love a jumpsuit so I'm like in my walking around jumpsuit um, but I've still got like my sporty, my sporty bits on. I went for a run earlier than went gym. Um, for those who need to know my timetable because they're clearly looking for me. <laughs> oh Lord, God loves me. Um, anyway, it's been, um, it's been an interesting week. I actually hope that this loads properly and doesn't do a madness because last week I couldn't put out last week's episode um, in video form because the frame rate, look at me learning terminology, the frame rate was mad. So um, yeah, it didn't record properly, but hopefully this one actually does record properly. Do you like my cushion? Look at my cushion. I've decided to sit um, at my sofa in my office this time I've got another chair but actually I felt like this is cuter because then if I have like really super cool outfits on then I can show the entire outfit but today I don't have a super cool outfit on I've just got my sporty bits on and I've got um um green flip-flops green furry flip-flops get into it look how high my leg is going what no sorry 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 focus collector focus Thanks to those of you who are really proactive and were like, oh, here you go. This checklist for ADHD, none, I hardly ticked any of them. So I guess I'm just here, just being random, I guess. Um, what have I been? No, before I get into all of that, um, you all know that the tickets go on sale for the live show um, 
on Monday 30th of May. I remember mentioning that they go on sale at 10 a.m. By now, if you're listening to this later on in the day, on a Monday, because clearly some of you listen as soon as the episode drops and I'm not awake. Um, But I would have put up a post where there'll be a link that, save that link, save that link because when it gets to Monday, 30th of May, that link goes live. You can book, um, you can then go ahead and book your tickets. So save that link. And of course I'll post the link again on Monday, 30th of May. But when you go on, you know, online on my Instagram page or Twitter, you'll see that I've put the link there with the little cute um, post. So yeah, and there'll be like some cute special guests. I'm still working on who those might be, but I plan to make sure that you have a great time. That is, that's the aim. And also remember when you are buying your tickets, I'm going to remind you again on Monday the 30th, right? But when you're buying your tickets, if you're trying to see me afterwards, you need to get the um, after party ticket because you won't see me before or after in that case. Um, Just not conserving my energy. Um, But you can't just simply buy that ticket alone. Like you've got to buy it with a show ticket as well. So just giving you all the ins and outs should you need it. But anyway, I don't want to be here long. Um, Honestly, I feel like that's perfectly okay to have a mode in time where you're just not particularly should I drop this down I need to be lip sync the mic as Brent always says Kalechi you need to be lip sync that's not his accent you need to be lip sync the mic um yeah I think it's fine to have times when you're not particularly into recording you just you're just doing it but then I feel like that speaks to discipline in it because we don't always get to do the things that we like to do um or that we want to do we do the things that we need to do so I'm here recording and, you know, keeping up with that practice as I do with a lot of things. Some days, for instance, I don't feel like praying, but I'm just like, you know what? It's my practice and I'll do it. But honestly, if I don't, if I really don't feel like doing it, then I'm not going to do it because God's not going to flog me in it. But more time, even when I don't feel like doing particular things, I do it because I know that holistically um, they work um, to keep me, you know, some kind of like a, you know, spiritual, physical, emotional homeostasis, you know, striking that balance. So that's why I make sure that I do the things that I need to do. I might change the angle of this eventually because I feel like it's very crotch heavy. Skin up, me pump. No, sorry. Um, (laughs) Anyway, before I get all the way into it, before someone pointed out last week, you haven't introduced the show. So yeah, it's me, Kalechi. And a blood club place to be And you are listening slash watching S-Y-M Officially known as Say Your Mind Unofficially known as what what That's right Suck your mum And we are in it to freaking win it Don't know what that means Do not ask me I have no clue I'm just right now just wanting to go home And eat some jollof rice I don't know where it's going to manifest or materialise from But I'm willing it into reality at this point Anyway, um, cool So what did I want to get into Real Housewives of Atlanta. While it's on, you're going to find I'm talking about it because, wow, wow. Drew, I keep saying it every week, but Drew, baby, you in danger, girl. Like Ralph is the worst. I don't, I don't wish that kind of husband on anybody. He's just a horrendous human being, but, but that's, we're not focused on him being a horrendous human being. Sonia, who's the new cast member. She's the new, she's a new housewife. Um, she's an Olympic gold medalist runner. Very cute. Um, from Jamaica. Well, her family's from Jamaica. 
Anyway, she's doing really well. Her husband's really cute. Like, and he seems like rather laid back, not into any pasa pasa. I hope it stays that way because some, I just think that there is the curse. Oh, I feel like there's the curse of the housewives. You know, I don't know whether it's Andy Cohen that sprinkles a little magic dust on these guys, but they get so messy as the series develops. And I just hope that he doesn't get caught up in that drama. I hope that he doesn't go and do the wildness that everybody else is doing. I really hope that he can like pattern himself and just not go and do, I just be wayward, just be lovely, just be a lovely husband to Sonia and leave it as that. Although Ralph came on the scene mad, like Ralph was never a serious guy. He he appeared to us just mad off the bat. So there's that. I feel like that rhymed. Anyway, um, so Sonia, she calls Drew during the episode and she um, says that an 18-wheeler, she's like, oh my God, an 18-wheeler truck got on top of my car. She said the truck got on top of her car. So like you'd imagine that this car is like crushed, like crushed from the top. But from what I saw, he like took the back of her out. I mean, no one's trying to get hit or collide with an 18-wheeler, God, God forbid. But now I'm like, was it an 18-wheeler? But, you know, we don't know. 18-wheeler, but, you know, we don't know. Um... Anyway, she we're going with what she says happened, right? Because Drew can't see the car. So why is it that then you've heard that your, a friend of yours has been in an accident? Or is it the way that they've scripted it? Because you've heard that your friend's been in an accident. Why have I got two phones? Anyway, you've heard that your friend's been in an accident. And you're like, you know what? I'm at this kid's bookstore. So I'm just going to pay for the books that I wanted to get before leaving. Like, where is the urgency, Drew? Where is the urgency? Somebody said to you that they've uh, an 18-wheeler truck got on top of their car and they need you to come and pick them up ASAP and you went, you know what? Visa, Visa have a swipe. Visa have a swipe. I have I have to pay for MasterCard. American Express have a swipe. You know, I have got to pay for these things. You know, I've, I want to buy these books. You are clearly alive. I will see you shortly. I just thought it was extremely wild. And then the guy she was with, is that her assistant or whoever? And he was like, oh, so I guess that means no tacos. Well, did he say this? Uh, that means that there's no tacos today or there's no taco Tuesday. Either way, I was just like, somebody has been in a car accident and you, you're thinking about tacos. Don't let God catch you there. Do not let God catch you there. That is wild behavior. But um, yeah, so I just thought that that was, re- re- I just thought that was wild. As for obviously the main part of that episode was, um, Kenya throwing a party for her daughter Brooklyn um and it was done I don't know what Kenya was wearing was she meant to be like a um I don't know like um you know bottom of the shelf Audrey Hepburn something she had a lot going on I didn't really understand what was happening there even with the black tights and the hair and the makeup it, it wasn't could, could join it wasn't it wasn't joining together it wasn't seamless it wasn't it wasn't working for me I wasn't feeling it um so there was that. So anyway, she's having this tea party to celebrate Brooklyn's birthday. Did Was that the party that was meant to be 10K to 15K? Because it wasn't giving 10 to 15K unless she's going to have another party for Brooklyn. Because that couldn't have been it. That was not a 10 to 15K party. Um, but anyway, she invites everybody now. And they're at a table and she's like, oh, the kids are going to play a game. And then now we adults are going to play a game. And so you have to write the shadiest thing that you know about somebody and put it into this thing and then we'll pick it out. And I was just like, but why would you want to bring that sort of energy into a children's party? Like why, when, when spirits were calling on people's souls, why did your, why did the spirits only call for you, Kenya, to be a wayward individual? What, what 
what is that going to serve in the grand scheme of things that, you know what, let's make shady comments and let's do this. Like, why would you want to do that? So anyway, they all write their notes now. And then at the table, they start reading it out. We just seen someone at the door. At the table, they start reading it out. And um, Candy gets one and it's about her. And it's like, oh, Candy sucks dicks or used to suck dick in locker rooms or something like that. And it was a case, it was a case again of like, who said that? But the other way, because who said that? They knew who said that. But this time it was like, no, we really don't know who said that. Like, who would write that? Like, you're at a children's party and then they've gone, write a shady comment. Even if the assignment that you've been given is wayward in itself, who asked you to be more wayward? I want to know who you're voting for as to who could have written that about Candy, because I truly feel like it was either Kenya or Marlo. Kenya or Marlo, that's where, that's where I feel, I don't imagine anybody else wanting to write about Candy and be like, oh, Candy sucks dick in locker rooms. Like, and, and if she does uh, or has, I don't, I don't get the significance. She's got a whole brand around sex. So if anybody's going to suck dick in a locker room, it's likely to be Candy. So what, what, I don't know, like they just do very, very weird things. And of course, like, then we get into this whole conversation about, um, uh, what is it? Sheree not paying her assistant because her assistant also works with Drew. Um, and then next thing, um, Sheree's like, well, I heard this about you and I heard that, um, Ralph is gay. And honestly, (laughs) I'm laughing because it's so pathetic. Like you can count on real housewives that at any moment they're going to weaponize a man being gay to be some kind of one-upmanship thing throughout the whole season. Like it's so sad that that's all they ever have. Like the biggest scandal that they're going to be able to throw at somebody's husband is either like, oh, he's cheating or, oh, he's gay. And it's just like, come on, we need more storylines than this. Like, first of all, we're in Atlanta. So I'm not like, you're not saying anything that's shocking anybody. Like, and 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 if he were to be a man to that sleeps with other men what what is the insult there what is what is the insult there like i i honestly i i get what the insult is but at the same time i don't get it because it's just like come on come on catch up with the girlies we're moving on we're moving on this is ridiculous we should have never been here let's move it along you know but ralph I don't even want to put his behavior, the behavior that he exhibits towards Drew as having anything to do with his sexuality in that regard. I just think that he's genuinely just a nasty guy. Like, I just think that he's deeply misogynistic and, you know, yeah, I just, I I can't, I can't stand it. But I just thought that that whole thing was interesting. But the best part of it was um, the fact that Kenya thought it would be wise to invite white mums to this event. White mums. She invited white American mums to this event where they're talking all this shady shit about each other at the table. Eventually, one of the white mums just gets up and she's like, my kid is here. We're leaving. My kid is here. And then Kenya's having to follow her and be like, I'm so sorry. Like, honestly. And it's like, what? You didn't know what the show was about. You didn't know what the show was about before you agreed to bring your five-year-old with you to the event. You didn't know? And now you're screaming up and down. My kid is here. We're leaving. Okay. Okay. Go on, Kathy. Just go quietly into the night, into the afternoon, it should be. Just go. But also, flashing back, the reason I think that 
Kenya wrote that thing about Candy is because Candy was so late to the party. Because then when Candy was like, rah, this, who wrote this? And she's trying to get to the bottom of it. Kenya basically goes, well, we don't have time because you were so extremely late. What is the, What kind of thing is, to, is that to say to somebody after they've just had to open a note that says that they were sucking dick in locker rooms? Like, give people time to process. Was I? Did I? Was that? Does that constitute as a locker room? Does that constitute as a dick? Does that constitute a sucking? There were so many parameters to still be explored and you didn't even give her time for that. You're like, well, you were late, so we've got to move on. I'm sorry. Candy's a better person than me because I'll be like, we're not moving on. We're not moving on. Brooklyn, bedtime. Brooklyn will go to sleep because we're going to get to the bottom of who wrote this. I'm going to be looking at handwriting. I, I wouldn't even put it past Andy Cohen to have just dropped it in. One of the producers to do just dropped it into there to just cause the drama. But overall, yeah, it was just, it was wild. It was extremely wild. Um, oh, and then I saw that whole thing about Candy. Candy, basically, there's this clip going around. <laughs> there's this clip going around of Candy where she's saying legs, hip, body, body. <laughs> but it's the beat. Doom, 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 doom. Somebody said it sounds like a ritual BBL song, like the song that you, the song that you have when you're preparing for your BBL ritual. Like it was so, it was so basic, but apparently it wasn't a single. Um, She wrote it a while ago for um, a play, like a small play that she was involved with. And, you know, that's fine. But Candy, I want you to keep some of your best songs for yourself. Like, didn't she write Bills, Bills, Bills? I had to say the third Bills. Um... No scrubs. She was involved with that. Um, what did she? Did she? Was she? Uh, there's a, a Britney Spears song. Um, I, she's been involved. Candy Boris is a like a songwriting powerhouse. I just don't understand that when it now comes time for her own songs, except for when you're out in the club. Don't think I'm not, baby. When you're out making love, don't think I'm not. If you're feeling good in somebody's spot, getting in hot, don't stop. Just. That was that's a bop. That's a bop. She even did that video with a broken leg, if I remember correctly. They were like they were, she was doing the dance routines and and the dancers were dancing around her, even though she had a cast on her leg. Um, trivia. Anyway, um, yeah, this legs, hips, body, body. No, <laughs> and the videos that the internet has added to it just makes it even more hilarious. But. Candy has a certain um, tonality to her voice that I find rather interesting. She always sounds like um, she's about to cry. Like she's like she's holding back sobs, not even just like tears. Like it's like she's holding back like guttural sob sobs that want to just come out. I don't have to. She didn't even really do it on that song, but that's the best way for me to demonstrate. I don't have to question. Where you were last night Cause I already know what you will say I already know you like <laughs> Candy, I'm so sorry I, mean, I know you'll never see this So that's fine But um, it's, it's a very interesting Does she have vocal coaching? Because I feel like we sing alike and I don't have vocal coaching. So that's an excuse for me, like to sing that way. But Candy singing that way, that's that's extremely wild. Yeah. But um that song you hear it more where she goes legs, hip, body, but it's 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 a lot. It's a lot. But that's 
That's all I really wanted to share from the bits that I've been watching. I haven't watched anything else. I'm glad that some of you are watching Love Life and you're really enjoying it because it's, you know, really brilliant. Um, But anyway, then let's get into um, some of the tarot questions that you sent through. Well, there's lots, but, you know, we'll, we'll work through it. We're going through it in time. I've gone all the way back to some of the ones that I've missed. You know, I keep looking at the door, but people are walking past. Um, so this letter we have, it says, Dear Kelechi, I hope you're well and rested and feeling the love we have for you. Thank you for the work you do. It is an immense blessing to us. I would like to ask you a question for the tarot reading. It is personal to me, but I hope others will benefit from the answer. I've been on quite a spiritual journey since I started listening to the podcast and stepped out of fear and embraced my spiritual gifts. I'm hearing from spirit more. And this was confirmed by the amazing Leona Nicole Black when we had a reading last week. I'm still taking it all in, but one thing that came out was that my prayer practice needs some work. I struggled to pray after I left the church, so I stopped altogether. I cannot pray like that anymore. I also know that my ancestry is majority Nigerian and I'm very drawn to understanding African spirituality, including having a language for my prayer life that is ancestral. How do I address the ancestors when I pray? Is there a specific way to pray to spirit? Language feels like a barrier, but I cannot fully explain or understand why. All I know is that when I pray in English and or in the way I was taught to pray in church, it feels discordant and wrong. I get tongue-tied, distracted and frustrated. I think I am also asking if there is an ancestral ritual prayer similar to the Lord's Prayer that I can begin with. I know I have much work to do in reclaiming the language, cultures and traditions that were violently stripped from us when we and when my ancestors were trafficked to Jamaica. I feel a deep sadness when I think of, um, think of the losses to us and a jealousy for those who remained in Africa and who have tribal languages and rituals. I am definitely a work in progress. Thank you, Kelechi, once again for the invaluable work that you do for our community. Many blessings to you and your family. P.S. What does Sha and Omo mean? I love to hear it. Sha is like, Sha is just like an ending to something. It, um, it amplifies it or it's like a, it's like a verbal exclamation mark or dismissive nature. It's a a way that you dismiss something. So like I've done my own shot, like it's an ending to it. Like it's, um, you know, it's above me now sort of vibe. Shot is just, mm, who knows shot? You're putting it to the side, you know, shot is like, you know, let it be what it is. We don't have an answer for that. The outcome is what it, you know, it is what it is, is, um, I feel like one of the best ways to describe shot. Um, as for Omar, Omar means child. Omar means child. So baby, you know, like that's, you know, you could use it in that regard, like Omar, like, um, Charlie, that's friend really, isn't it? But it's a term of, Omar literally means child, but it's also a term of endearment. Like, so Omar, like when you're talking about something, it's like, and you're using it in that way as well. It's, um, it's casual. It's a casual way of, um, being endearing, I would say. Um, so I hope that answered your questions as in regards to praying, right? I think that our prayers are as unique as our fingerprints. Nobody can teach you how to pray. Um, like your spirit already knows, like your spirit remembers how to talk to the divine. Your spirit already knows how to talk to spirit. You just have to be quiet and let it come to you. The silence is also prayer. 
anything that we decide is also prayer. You know, I always talk about how running is a prayer for me. Like I, I like to go running because there's something about it. I mean, yeah, a lot of times I can be listening to music or whatever, but there's something about when I go running that allows me to really be in my body and however uncomfortable certain runs might feel and things like that. It makes me more aware of being in the physical body. And that is the space that I want to, um, give thanks from, um, moving practices tend to do that. So you don't have to worry about words, you know, there are a lot of people who have a lot of words when it comes to prayer, but they don't have a lot of intention. Um, they don't have a lot of, sometimes they don't even have a lot of like remorse or anything that feels like human feeling, like they're lacking it. Um, so don't worry about words. Um, sometimes when I journal, I don't even try to write in any sort of language. I just move my pen across the page, just move my pen across the page and all the scribbles that are there, they mean something, you know, and they speak to a particular part of me and I am happy with that, that like, that's enough for me. So I guess what I'm saying is like, start by just speaking, like start by just speaking like that's enough speaking into an empty room that's one of the things that I recommend um regularly just talking into an empty room whatever comes to your mind because your ancestors like especially spirit spirit knows you like you are of spirit we are of spirit so don't have to put on airs airs and graces to talk to you know to your closest friend to you you don't have to put on graces to talk to your airs and graces to talk to yourself like just talk because I think that that's the thing we've been due to colonization and and just due to white supremacist patriarchy. um, We've been taught that there's this sort of hierarchy and who is allowed to access spirituality and who is allowed to access prayer and thus who is allowed to access God. Um, Just pray, either starting with silence and just letting your heart do the talking. I remember when I was reframing my spiritual kind of practice in terms of how I even go about praying, my first few prayers was just crying because that's where, that's where you take everything to. Like I, it was just crying. There was no, co- there were no cohesive words. There was no coherent words. It was just crying. And that release allowed for something else to come through because there has to be a trust, doesn't there, for that to even happen before you then come with everything else. Um, and then the more that I um, prayed, the more that I practiced, you know, praying in my own way and not really taking in what anybody else was saying. I also realized that a lot of my prayer started to do, ha- started having more to do with thanks. I was saying thank you a lot more because I was seeing a lot more things that were working in my favor. So I didn't really have to ask for so much because I knew that what I desired so deeply was already being provided to me um, simply because I didn't always need to use words. Like all I had to focus on was being present and feeling the energy around me and within myself and trying to, you know, align with that. Like that's all you really need to be focused on. Um, and so when, but then when I do pray and when I need to pray the pray and when I need to do the prayers that, you know, are really hard body, I also know that I'm heard. Like when I need to do prayers of, you know, this, that, this, that protection, this, that, like I go hard and I know that I'm heard because I trust in the force that I'm calling upon and I trust in the force within myself. So 
I can't imagine how difficult it is to feel stripped of that element of self, to feel like that has been like taken from you, stolen from you, but you are never far away from home because home is always like, it's within you. It sounds woo-woo to say, but you are your history. You are, you know, part of your, your ancestry. You are your ancestors, everything. You are spirit. Everything is within you. You are the universe. So at any point in time, you can connect to that, but you can just at first start with silence. What does it feel like to be in your body? Who are you? Who is this person that's praying? Is like, that's also what's important because if you're praying as your egoic self, there's always a want, there's always a desire. Thank you, spirit. There's always a want, there's always a desire, right? But then when you start praying as the observer, the observer is only ever thankful that you were getting closer to a point of total realization. So, and those moments of praying in, in the observer space can be so fleeting, but then there is a piece that you feel there where you're like, I think I get it. Or I feel like I'm starting to get it. But for a long time, we'll be praying from an egoic space, but we we just train ourselves slowly to move beyond the egoic, to move beyond the kind of like um, the the desire-based, the lack-based, um, you know, or the lack-focused mindset of praying and focusing on, well, there has there is a space of abundance. There is a space where all the things I desire can be given to me. Obviously, we're not ignoring systemic and institutional fuckery, but with, with working within that, what is possible? And then you start seeing different possibilities because joy is what we want to focus on. Peace is what we want to focus on. And those things, we can attain them in certain regards. We we just have to, we have to be diligent in how we go about them. So yeah, I hope that that helps in that long-winded way, but you don't have to worry. I personally don't think you have to worry about any sort of ritual prayer or anything like that to begin with. You'll be called to where you need to be. I believe that you will be called to where you need to be. I had, um, I had to go for prayers um, a while ago and honestly, I can't even get into it here, but it was one of the hardest things I've ever, ever, ever done. Like I just ended up like sobbing afterwards, but sobbing from a place of just like elation and ecstasy because it felt like something was just lifted away from me from being able to move into a next level of um spiritual practice and understanding um but I didn't I didn't seek that out you know I just went with I just took each day each moment you know as it comes and and just I I just work with that and it doesn't you know I don't take prayer or or all of these things to be something that oh I can do if somebody else can't do it no we are all capable of it because it's it's for us and the moment you start adding like um, checks and um, borders to all of these things you become like the colonizers that we're meant to dislike so much and I'm not I'm not in that so you know I I want to make it as accessible as possible and um, I encourage everybody in one way or another like get involved like just be silent for a bit be still for a bit and see what comes to you because that is where it starts. It starts in the stillness. Like even when it says in the Bible, like all of it started from nothing. Like you can only create a world from nothing. You start from nothing, right? Start from stillness, start from just nothingness and go from there. Um, yeah. So then we've got a next question. Next question. 
um, what is it? Hi, Kalechi. I hope you're well and having a safe, enjoyable, and productive time in Niger. Niger. <laughs> Things I could say. I do a daily tarot slash uh, tarot pool slash journal for myself, and for the last nine days in a row, I have been pulling eights. The strength card particularly has been repeating frequently, um, but also the minors. For context, I'm on the verge of making a career change to focus on my creative work. Some days I feel like I need to be drastic and just take the leap and trust that I will, um, what I need will be available. And other days I feel like I need to be smart and make a plan with something secure lined up before leaving my job. I know the repeating eights are not a coincidence and I don't want to ignore the message that the universe is sending me. Thank you for your energy and time. Love B. Thank you for that. That's a, um, that's the real word. Let's see. Eights really, I feel like all your, what you're really being told there is that it is a time of change. Um, but to understand that your responsibility and duty to, um, be one with all things and to participate, um, in where life is calling you to, like, I don't feel like spirit wants to like drag you to certain places. Like, like, the universe wants you to participate. Doesn't want to, the tower, like I'm always saying, the tower card frequently comes out when you are not doing the thing that you need to do. And you've been told many, many times. So it's like, well, we need to get you on course, baby. So we're going to do it for you. Um, but if you participate, if you pay attention to science and get onto doing things in time, then you're all right. Then you'll be fine. So, um, why is B seeing these eights and what's happening with the career move? Let's see here what's happening with the career move. Uh, spirit. Oh, oh, nice. You've got the goddess of swords. So I take that to be the queen of swords. I'm using the um uh the African the Afro goddess um tarot arcanas. Is that what it's called? Let's see if you can see that. Yeah, so I'm using that. So you've got the goddess of swords. I like her dress. Come through Fashion Nova. Why? Skin out Pondema. Um, Ace of Pentacles in reverse. I'll show you all the cards in a sec. Uh, oh, while I'm shuffling the cards, actually, um, a few of you have been a few of you have been blocked. A few of you have been blocked, but I'll explain why later on. Um, I just wanted to give that um kind um reminder or alert in case you're wondering how why my page has disappeared on instagram it's disappeared to you <laughs> um oh those flew out all right oh okay we've got the son of pentacles we've got the god of swords we've got the three of cups no sorry four of cups oh beautiful we've got the sun card again i know spirit i know you love my tattoo um this is beautiful. And so this is um, number 19. Yeah, number 19, the sun card. Um, 19. Okay, cool. Let's see. I didn't get any eights, but that's fine. Um, so you've got the um, goddess of swords. See that. Um, and then you've got the ace of pentacles. Let me move this up. Then you've got the Ace of Pentacles um, in reverse. And then you've got the Son of Pentacles also there as well. 
He's got locks. Nice. Oh, they've all got locks. Um, then you've got the God of Swords. So that's the King of Swords you've got there. Um, and then you've got the Four of Cups. She's sitting like on a mountain or she's sitting like on a hill, on a mound. Sun behind her. A cup is being sent out and given to her from a cloud. She's wearing a, a, a purple. Everyone's giving very much Fashion Nova. I really love it for them. But this outfit that this um, um, woman's got on in the sun, on the sun card, is pretty brilliant. I love it. Body set good. Um, very nice. And she's got sunflowers in her hair. So um, in regards to leaving the job, so you are the uh, queen of swords, the goddess of swords, right? And you're thinking clearly, this is why this card is out, but you're looking at all of your possibilities because I'm looking at the way that her eyes are traveling across all of the cards that have come out. The ace of pentacles has come out in reverse because um, it feels like you're not quite, you know, as you said in your letter, but you're not quite sure of taking the leap just yet. Um, Son of Pentacles is here because it's a new venture for you. Like this is a new thing that you're deciding to do. Um, and you're used to having everything figured out. Um, God of Swords is given like, um, I don't know if you've got a male energy nearby and they're trying to advise. And sometimes people's advice is great but you're gonna have to work with what speaks to your soul and not what other people are telling you because logic won't carry it I say it often but if I told people about the premise of this podcast before starting it I'm sure many people would have talked me out of it because everybody can only imagine um what is possible within the realms of their own imagination in it like that's all they can do so you've got to still do what you need to do and then you've got the four of cups here um as again, and it's interesting that the Four of Cups has come here because it's saying that if you're still, if you wait, you'll be shown the time to make your move. Like you need to respond um, with making your move as opposed to just launching into it. That's the vibe that I get. And then we've got the sun here, the sun card, like everything will work out beautifully because there's so much sunshine, even in the terms of the pentacles and how it's depicted. There's so much sunshine. There's so much prosperity for you. I would take that as also a sign, like don't leave your job before summer, if possible. Like just hold out because it's going to be, it's going to work out better for you. Let's say around July, like go for, go for July. Like don't try and leave before then Just like so just everything is set Don't go before July But if you're going to go 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 all out Do what you need to do But wait for the weather to change a little bit And then go for it Because the sun card keeps coming out clearly Like there is something at work There is a cosmic energy at work And that's probably why you keep seeing the eights as well The sign of eternity There's um, there's clearly a major shift That's happening for you in a um, On a grander scale So wait for everything to be put in place because also when I see the ace of pentacles in reverse it's like something is coming for you but it's not quite here yet so do not jump ship just yet like don't don't try to do anything just yet like you could prepare things but don't leave you might be listening to this and you're like girl I left last week but um don't leave just yet like hold out um and if you can do it when it hits July like go that that would be you know better place for you because there's a serious harvest for you down the line you have to make sure that with, with every, anything you have to plant the seeds at the right time you have to cultivate them look after them and then you know then reap your harvest at the right time as well you have to work with the seasons with what you're doing so don't feel like you need to rush anything like you're good so 
That is the tarot. I pray that it resonates with you. Um, that's out of the way. So what have we got now? Okay, well, I'll do... I'll do another letter that's actually a voice note and then I'm going to take you into, so that we're going into Share Your Magnificence, basically. So I'm going to do a letter and then I'm going to take you into an interview that I did with um, Pelena uh, Cosme, who, um, she's a mum, um, black woman, brilliant, like, just lovely black woman who I was speaking to recently. Um, and she's got books called, um, a, a couple of books called Exploring London Books. And um, it's based around her and her two daughters exploring London. And, you know, you love to see it, you know, self-published. Um, she got her um, illustrator herself and she was just really out here, just wanting to do something. And I rate it, you know, so um, I invited her onto the podcast after we were put in contact with each other and we had a great conversation. But before we get to that, I'm just going to play you a little summat that um, um, a voice note that came through a little while ago. But I just thought it was super cute. Let me see if I can find it now. Hold on. Let's see if this will play. Hi, Kalechi. Uh, my name is Aikatina Dancer, and um, I'm a policy person. I've worked on gender equalities, human rights, and human resources person. I always have to giggle about your intros. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say that I love your podcast. I just listened to 179, Gorgeous, Gorgeous Girls, Know Where Their Jupiter Is in their chart. Ow. And I just discovered you a couple of months ago. I tend to be listening to your podcasts about three months later than when you upload them. So um, it's just always so, whew, you know, to me, I can't find the words, but they are always the word I need to hear just at the right time, even though I randomly download them from Google Podcasts on the regular, whichever one it is that I log into, lock into and listen through to is always so on point. It's scary. And like I said, I just listen to gorgeous, gorgeous girls know where your Jupiter is in their chart. And just so much of it, um, just I connected with, um, the parts on Black Boy Joy, I have three boys, 15, um, 13 and nine. And it was just really beautiful to hear about that project. I'm a Londoner from, um, grew up in Tower Hamlets. My mum lives in Newham, but I've now lived in Vienna and other parts of Europe for the past 15 years. Nice. Um, and just that project is so beautiful and something that I would definitely be showing my sons. Um, and then what you were saying also about the, um, yeah, there were so many things in this podcast. I just finished listening and I'm still, still processing, but on finding your own interpretation of joy and not giving a shit what other people think of that and how your interpretation of joy can, can change and will evolve and grow with you. Um, that's so important to me right now in this time. And so hearing you talk through that was crazy affirming and just perfect timing. Um, I'm thinking to make a pretty mega career change into what I consider to be less secure from what I internalised growing up, you know, single parent mother with three kids working in the NHS all her life that we need to go for the safe jobs. And now that has not served me as well as I thought it would, even though I really got to working at the UN and other very kind of statusy positions 
They just have not filled my cup. They've left me feeling depleted and empty. And now I really want to concentrate on my creative work via JG Danso. I write um, queer black um, poetry. And yeah, I just, from what you were saying, feel that there is a way to just reject what doesn't serve you and know what brings you peace by listening to your intuition. And yeah, that's what I took away. It was um, something that you uploaded 3rd of January, I'm seeing now. And, um, you know, it's April, but I heard it and it I heard it loud and clear as a message that, you know, I just need to be more confident in my growth and my own journey and path and keep communicating to a partner who I'm trying to leave behind but refuses to let me grow and refuses to let me go that um yeah I am not the person I was and I'm not going to wait for them to give me approval to continue on my path uh it will be challenging coming up um yeah, I hope at some point also when I'm back in UM to visit my mum, I can set up a reading with you because, yeah, clearly you know me <laughs> and my random downloading of your podcasts knows me too. Keep doing what you're doing. You're beautiful. You're talented. You're all the things. Such an inspiration. Thank you so much for sharing these resources and um, being a light in the world. Take care of yourself, my love. Bye. Hi Kalechi, uh, my name is Aikatina Dancer and um, okay. I'm a policy Not it starting again <laughs> um, Honestly that is um, That is a word That is how you praise somebody That is how a black woman praises another black woman In case some of you need um, an example Because sometimes some of the things that you're writing You might be trying to frame it as Not me moving my mic You might be trying to frame it as praise But it's just very It's very wayward It's very wayward and has bad vibes As far as I'm concerned But two slaps in your chest For that amazing um, voice note Thank you for sending it through Honestly Mercury Retrograde Come up off me Come up off me But you know We're doing cutely We're doing cutely We're getting You know I think that one benefit Of um, Mercury retrograde Is that it's showing me The things that I need to do In order to tighten up things Like for this podcast For my writing All of those things Like I'm seeing it I'm like oh, I got it I got it Because let me tell you I discovered something The other day With, with regard to my writing That's I hope It's going to level up My fucking game My gosh I cannot If I get it all sorted On my um, computer And like computers <laughs> Computers Thank you You know who you are um, I will um, I'm just I'm just going to be I'm just going to be doing a madness I'm going to be doing a madness Once I can Get the things that I need to get um, It's going to be a madness In terms of my writing Because boy um, Ideas The ideas I have Whew, yes. Anyway, um, yeah, but thank you so much for sending that message through. I pray that the transition into kind of moving into a life that serves you more, um, that makes you feel more fulfilled. I, I pray that that transition into that life is smooth. And um, if it needs to be a bit rocky, that you have all of the protection that you need as you experience it and you know that you are loved and the, the outcome will be super beneficial. So I'm willing that for you. All right. So anyway, let's get to my interview with Pelena Cosme. And um, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. Catch you in a bit. 
Hi, Pelena. Um, I'm so excited to be talking to you. I mean, we've had our we've had our chats, right? But I just thought it would be great for you to come on the podcast and so and for the listeners to kind of know what it is that you do. I I love like you know um, entrepreneurial mums. I love mums who are just looking at what's what they what they feel is missing and and they're like you know what I'm going to bring this in I'm going to you know bring this to the fore and that's how we got talking about your exploring London books um but how did that come about for you thank you and so it's great to be here like you said our chat before was so amazing so (laughs) and just a genuine convo so yeah I'd love to do it part two and have everyone listening in but um Mm. so yeah I've got two daughters six and five and um we would just go out a lot I think my motherhood experience was one where I just didn't want to stop doing the things that I loved and you know with all the body changes and hormones I was like what can I do to make me feel happy and a lot of the things that I like to do I'm a natural extrovert I hate being mm-hmm. in the house my mom's always cussing me <laughs> on these proverbial streets and um I thought let me just take the girls with me you know mm-hmm. um I love going into the center of town I just live on the outskirts of east the east side and I thought, let me just take the girls with me. So we'd go, where's the first place we went to? Sky Garden. Somewhere, I love skyscrapers. I love views. I just didn't want to feel kind of, I felt like in my mom's generation, motherhood was like behind closed doors. Oh, like, yeah. Like, like there's like, 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 shame to yeah, it. Yeah, you've got yeah, cleaning. Yeah. You've got cooking to do. Why are you out? You go to the GP, come back. Go to the, go to the supermarket, come back. Why are you out with the kids almost? So I was like, I like being out. It's good for my health. I feel better. So I thought, let me just take the girls with me. And that's what I started doing just within my personality, just making parenting accessible for me. And I would just post everything on my WhatsApp videos as you do. And people always come in, oh, where are you? That looks a great place. Oh my goodness, you know. And I was almost just telling them it was always unofficial. But I thought, actually, how can I make this a thing where I can't keep <laughs> commenting and answering back to everyone where mm. I am other times? Um, how can we put it in a place and in a a tour mechanism that's accessible and I love books I love reading I think that's really important um so I just combined the two so the books is really a, a cute little story about going out but it's got things at the back where we um suggest places to go mm-hmm. that we love the girls had an import as well and that's how the book came about how to explore with with your children and then deeper than that, it was mostly sort of my black friends asking me. And also when I was going, I wasn't seeing as many black families, however they look like, you know, single parents or, or you know, uh, family with a, with a mother and father. Um, so then that was, I looked and started researching into that. And actually statistics that show that only 56% of black and Asian and other minorities, um, communities and children explore compared to 72% of their white counterparts. So mm. I'm exploring into that because I was seeing it, to be honest, when I was out here. Mm-hmm. Um, but then just to have that, that that's, those statistics kind of verify that, it gave me a greater impetus to really mm-hmm. kind of try and get people to explore and really just highlight places to go, free and paid to get families out there, especially those from our communities and others. Yeah, because it's because it's one thing when we talk about our lived experiences, um, people seem to downplay the anecdotal as that, as they see it, parts of it. But when you do have stats, it then becomes data driven. Like, well, no, here's the proof that we just don't explore. Um, you know, and there are many reasons for that. So, in terms of the book, exploring London books, there's one for Flip Out London, and then there's one for London Zoo, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Right, and at the back of those, they've they've also got like various um, places that you top said. List. Yeah, our top ten list. Both of them are different. So there's like twenty in all of places mm. we love to go. That like we've been more than once, and it's a like I said, a variety because especially now with inflation and cost of living, you do want to explore, but don't want it to be a, a burden either. You know, I understand different mm. budgets and different family sizes, and again, there's different nuances. But I think play and access to outdoor spaces is so crucial for the, the children's mental health and us and I don't know studying law I always remember family law you know the children's health is paramount children's welfare mm. is paramount mm. I remember that and this is a way to really kind of seep that into your day-to-day um lives as as, as families you know yeah because it, you do, like so you work right now like in terms of quote-unquote the day job that's an investment you studied yeah. law and then yet yeah, you still went, you know what, you know what I haven't done? Let me get those books out there. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> we live in London. You can't just have, you can't just have one job out here. But yeah, no, I think everything, it's funny because even being a data analyst for this investment, it's almost like the same with the books. I thought you needed two heads to be an entrepreneur, especially a working mm-hmm. like, How do you do everything? And you don't, you need discipline and balance but you need confidence and you need to just do it and I love the books I I seen the girls read back their books or having people meet the girls like oh I know they feel like they know them because I use their real names their nicknames albeit but their real yeah. names it's just really great so I feel like it's giving it back and I think books you don't people don't burn books books are forever when I'm gone I still have the books and the kids so it, it's, yeah. it's, it's it's amazing it's a really incredible thing yeah, no, I think it is important to kind of reinstate our like our places and reclaim our places within um within literature as well, because we know that literally Britain as well as the Dutch world, Europe burnt our books when they after you know colonization burnt documents during the transatlantic slave trade, everything. So I think it's brave that we're yet yet again coming back and going, no, 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 here's some more books. Here are some yeah. more books. How did you come about finding the illustrator? It's um their name is Yaya. Um, yeah, Rashid, bless him. Um, pick up Rashid. Um, it was through a friend. So I've got an amazing friend called Owen Braithwaite. Um, she's mm-hmm. a author. Um, my sister, the serial killer. And I was telling her, yes. you know, I want to do a children's book um, because of what we do. She saw me, you know, she would stay here and we've been together since uni, we've been friends. So mm-hmm. she was like, she knows someone really talented and gifted and he's amazing. And I thought, you know what? Well, let's do it I just took a gamble and he's great I saw his illustrations yeah animation I want to do animation as well um because again I think black children's um literature and animation is is is, needs to be more um but yeah he's great he's absolutely great so he's Rashid Yaya Zakeri is it yes yeah I love that name Nigeria wow yeah he's he's dope he's so passionate just really saw the vision um yeah and he makes yes. the book, the illustration, you know, with kids' books. Yeah, all- illustrations matter, you know, because that's what a lot of children, if they can't read the words, they're looking at what is drawn. They're looking yeah. at that to, to, you know, to convey or to go on that journey. So it does matter what the illustration looks like. And that's, I just thought, yeah, it's really pretty. I like, you know, I like what he's done there. Um, and so now we, we, like, you know about, you know, your data analyst, um, you know, um, career and data being important to you when you're having these sorts of conversations. One of the things that I thought was really interesting is that on the, on the, on your website, mm-hmm. it's at exploringlondonbooks.com, exploringlondonbook.com. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on there, there's also a blog. And there's in one of the sections, one of the blogs, it talks about like, mummy, where are all the other black people? 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And what is that like as a mother when your children are able to, at, you know, you're somewhere because of course you're wanting them to explore, but then they're, they're somewhere and they're like, rah, like we're the only black people. Like, how do you go about, how does that feel like for you? And but how do you go about explaining that? Yeah, it was, it was tough. Um, I was really worried about putting the blog out there, but um, I just thought it's, it's, it's the truth. And I thought, that could be another barrier to make people stop exploring all oh, these places, especially if you go on their website and it doesn't really seem kind of, you know, reflective of what London looks like on your street, you know, when you mm-hmm. leave the house. Um, that could be another barrier to explore that you feel like maybe out of place or uncomfortable. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's uncomfortable, but luckily um, I'm trying to have a relationship with a girl so I can be real in an age-appropriate way. Mm-hmm. And I did say to her, and they there were black people there, but she was just seeing the number, the, 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 <laughs> the disparity. She's like, ah. like there's, there's us and another family and the rest. And it's, that's a big, that it's a big space. So I didn't want to name it. Cause it's not about the space. It's just about, you know, it could be any space really. It could space. be right. Like what's it's what we, to, to, to specify it? What's that going to yeah. do? Yeah. It's not, yeah. Yeah. It's not the space. It's just, you know, it's an art institution. Um, and, you know, I was explaining to her that, look, people come on different days and times um, and people need to know about it more. People need to know that it's available to us. And part of our history is there, because, again, a lot of these institutions have elements our of things. us, right? I don't want to be too out there, but, yes, yeah. it's some of our things. And the same with the zoo. People have different, you know, ideas and theories and about a zoo and obviously animals mm. in that kind of space. And I get that I'm not taken away from that, but mm. these spaces, again, they have some of our things, things that came from the continent. Mm-hmm, um, so, mm-hmm. Whereas growing up, I felt like we were just told that, oh, what's there for us? Like, why are we going there? But actually yeah. there's us, our heritage, our culture, our ancestors that are there. So for that alone, it's great as well. Mm. To see those things. Um, but yeah, I just told her, look, some people do come, people need to know about it. And sometimes we won't see a lot of people that look like us in these spaces, but yeah. the more we do it, the more we go and tell people about it, that, that can make a change. And we've been to this place like three, four times, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, it's got better, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but, so then obviously the glaring question then that we come to, you know, at the end of our like brief conversation, but you know, is why aren't people going? Because, I mean, when we talked, I have my views on why we're, but, you know, why do you think people aren't going, like, mm-hmm. Black people, um, you know, um, minoritized, ethnically minoritized mm-hmm. people, marginalized people in London specifically? We're not even thinking about the rest of the UK for now, but in London, why do you think they're not going? Yeah, I think culturally, back home, we touched upon it in our conversation, back home, we were always out on these proverbial streets. We were always mm-hmm. out in the open. We were in the marketplace. We were you know, working in the fields for farmers and traditionally working in the land, rearing animals. But I feel like when we come to the UK, when we come to the West, we've really adopted that sedentary lifestyle where it's from mm. to the office, back to the house, to mm. church, back to home or the religious places of worship, to, you know, meet other people in the home and then back out. Whereas I feel like we need to kind of rekindle our love for the outdoors. Obviously the weather isn't great for like... Mm-hmm. 
we have nice weather for like five months, if that, of the year. But I feel like we need to rekindle that being outdoors and being out in the open. I think it helps with mental health, being out in the yeah. sun, being out in the element, in nature. So I feel like we need to adopt that lifestyle again. I think the nine to five and the office kind of driven indoor lifestyle that in the UK and the West is, we've really adopted. Um, maybe traditionally um, our communities have jobs where, you know, maybe it's night shifts, maybe it's just those, you know, hours that aren't, great for being out and about and then the weekend mm, mm. rest and recoup recharge for the week so mm. obviously then you know if you're working those kind of hours then you won't be able to or you will have to really find that impetus to really drive you to do that um I think also again not knowing what's there for us maybe not having an affinity that relevance that relatability mm. to some of these places especially with art obviously that's changed now we've seen our institutions all really try and you know give lots of um tenders and, and have exhibitions from people who who are from um, um, minoritized communities. So that's great, mm-hmm. better, but good. Let's keep progress, progressing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just, just knowing that it's relevant to us, it's relatable. Um, and then obviously lifestyle is different in terms of job-wise and, and, and mm-hmm. tactical element of going out. Mm-hmm. With the size of kids, you want to go out in London in the middle of town with three, four kids, maybe you feel a certain way, maybe you feel conscious about that, maybe it's a financial mm-hmm. thing. There's so many elements. I don't even just include our culture and and, and it's, the, the, uh, yeah. it's, it's quite you know, it does, it does seep into other cultures as well. But um, again, the numbers don't lie. And we're traditionally doing it less than, 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 than others. Yeah. And because um, I think that all of those factors definitely, they do play a role. We can't deny it. They do play a role. And if we were to kind of, I don't know, commission um, for some research to be done, I feel like on the surface, it would bring us back these answers that these are the reasons, you know, climate, lifestyle, culture, things like that. But I think like a glaring one there is racism. Like these um, institutions, these, um, you know, um, places, you know, there were points in, um, you know, London in, in and of itself where there were signs that no blacks, no dogs, no Irish, like those, there were signs out. So, you, we have Notting Hill Carnival now that people enjoy so much simply because of racist attacks on black people. And so, you know, and that the, the to push back on that was when it was just like, no, we're going to be seen out here. We're going to be seen out here, you know, visibility as a form of resistance. Right. And then we know like areas like Millwall, Tottenham, like there's just been so much racial tension. Now, actually, I think that when you're ethnically or racially minoritized, sometimes the safest place you believe for you is your home. Uh, but actually during lockdown, that even became oppressive as well because we we then saw stats about how many people actually have a garden? You know, yeah. who has a garden? Do you get me? And then if you go out, the number of um, uh, Black people specifically that got fined during lockdown in comparison to a prime minister or whatever, like all of those things kind of tell us or reinstate to us that you're not safe outside of your home some people aren't even safe in their home but you know you're not safe outside of your home so I wonder like what are we how how can we foster that idea of safety maybe it's going out mm-hmm. as groups or something yeah, yeah. yeah. Family. and you're right what you touched upon because I think this Guardian article said that four out of 10 black families have access to a patio, a balcony or garden. So we're more likely to have accommodation and, and, and homes where 
you know, there isn't even a garden, there isn't a, yeah. there isn't a, a balcony. Um, and I just read yesterday on BBC that um, black people are most likely to be lonely. Apparently, yeah. like one out of three uh, and, um, black people are lonely, as opposed to one out of four, so it's on nationally in general. Mm. Um, and again, that we're more likely to live in deprived areas. So you're right, maybe the safety is getting from your place of work where you have to go for your livelihood Mm-mm. to your house. And I'm sure, I mean, I watched the Mangrove Five and that was a crazy Oof, story. Yeah. Um, you know, being at home, getting to your home was a problem. I mean, yes. Basically, so you're right. So it's definitely acknowledging those things and definitely, mm. you know, yeah, giving life to that and understanding that. But then also, as you said, maybe in groups, maybe partnering with another family. Yes, because that's community, that's isn't it? That to me, I'm just like, we can't say that, oh, we're now not going to explore because we know, you know, what it means, like the deeply entrenched nature of like yeah. um, race racism in this country. But we can't let that stop us from seeing things. But maybe it's a case of going, because I've seen National Trust, um, you know, I've talked about on the podcast previously, um, a, a woman, I think she worked uh, part-time at one of the National Trust venues outside of London. And she then was subjected to racism when she tried to go out with her family. And it's just like, you know, like it's, whew. and then, and then what do you do when you do go to these places and maybe you do encounter somebody who's directly like um, prejudiced um, and, and harmful towards you in front of your children? I think that these, there are so many fears that people have that make them go, I don't know if it's worth it, but then we do know that it's worth it. We do know that there's something out there. There, there, there is a power that comes from knowing the environment that you inhabit. You know, mm. there is a power to that. There is a beauty to that, but it's just, you know, like we say, how do you do that and be, you know, yeah. make yourself safer? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It's about, it, has, it is about resilience and resisting through that form. I mean, we've gone to a play area. My daughter's been called a monkey by other little what? her age. Yeah, you know, we have had to ha- have that discussion with her. It happens, but that hasn't stopped us from from, from going. Um, you know, we had to educate her, we had to comfort her. Don't worry, the parent, the, the, the mum knew it was wrong and the, the mums were kind of apologetic and they all left hurriedly. But um, these things... <laughs> Not hurriedly. Not hurriedly. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. <laughs> her and the girl were gone. <laughs> I was like, okay, but you know, um, those things are real, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, it hasn't, it hasn't stopped us because... Again, we're raised. This is where we're raised. This is their home. Where yeah, you were born. You were born, doctor. You want to get a deal out where they were born. They were born here, and like, yeah, I want them to know and be able to feel confident in this place. This London's yes. home. I'm sorry, and you know yeah. we have such a rich history here. Yes, we didn't come here from slavery. We came. We were here from donkeys. They need to watch David on the Suga yeah. and the Fryer for you guys to really educate yourselves on our history and connection with. The whole of Europe. <laughs> With the whole of Europe, they try to make it out like um, 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 slavery or the transatlantic slave trade was our first interaction with Europe. Mm-hmm. When actually it was just like, no, we've been seeing you before, but you only want to tell the story from that point mm-hmm. because of the power disparity mm-hmm. that then becomes evident. You don't want to tell the story from the point where we were trading and when we were doing these things. Um, but obviously when you took up the numbers in terms of what was happening, numbers of people that you were stealing, all of that stuff, like it just becomes a whole new story, but you're right. Like there, there, there is so much more to it. And I think that when the story starts from, we only knew you from the transatlantic slave trade, it almost makes it as if, so you therefore don't have a claim have a on claim. this place. And it's like, no, 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 no. Let's make sure we're telling the whole story. Yeah. We've been here. So I want them 
I want the girls to learn. I want our children, this generation, to know that. Because I, I did not feel like I belonged in London. I was just like, you know, our parents just came here for better. But actually, you know, I didn't feel like I belonged. It's such an identity crisis growing up. And I thought, no, I'm raising future black women. We need to leapfrog the whole insecurity, mm. not being confident. Not, you know, you wonder why people have postcode wars. They just grab onto the little that they think they Yes, yes. You know, all over London, like you've got you can go and explore and it's just and we're we're such adventurous people by nature mm. you know, we you know we 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 go around the world you, you'll see us in russia you'll see us in we're everywhere ukraine mm. how many black people they're studying working and mm. and give it back to that society please we 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 we, we mm. add and you know we we contribute to societies all over this earth so yeah. don't kind of just put us in little pigeonholes and just here, okay, this is your bit. You can be in this, and you can just stay in Brixton. No, come up, stay in Peckham, just come up. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 we are able to flow all over the UK, all over London. And we need our kids to see that and experience that from young. And, yeah. that's, and that's what the book is about, really inspiring families to explore. You know, you yeah. think, oh, play, it's a waste of time. It's doing so much for them and for you, especially if you yeah. did growing up, especially if you mm. had pieces of tax in the park when you were growing up. Now your kids can go there and not necessarily deal with that, you know, because times are changing. We can't be stuck in our trauma. Let's let our kids feel that confidence and then talk to them about it if they do see things. Mm-hmm. In an age-appropriate way, say, look, that is wrong. That is wrong. Mm. Be happy. Be know who you are in your skin, your complexion, who you are as your family, your culture, your heritage, who we are. It's so it's 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 educational, it's play, it's exploring all wrong mm. one. And a lot of these places, schools take them there. So there's an educational value to go into yes, yes, yes. If not for that, just remember that where are the kind of school trips? They're to art institutions, they're to libraries, they're to parks, they're to zoos to learn about the animals that you see in the books. You're fortunate mm. enough to be able to see them, whether you agree on the premise of a zoo or not. Mm-mm-mm. We are able to have that practical element to our education, which is, oh, we see a lion in a book, we can actually go and see a lion. We don't yeah. need to trip to the safari in Africa. You know, or different things like that. So just see it as an educational thing. Exploring is educational. And I know yeah. especially parents, especially different, like I said, different kind of family structures. But you can also team up with another parent. So for example, if it's a single mom with one child, a single mom with, a, with one child, you know, there's some things you get good deals for, you know, to mm-hmm. add to kids. Maybe combine, you know, split in half, combine, mm-hmm. and then go somewhere. That That's quite empowering. That means you're not on your own and you're able to just kind of go with someone else and, and experience that together. There's so many ways of, of, of doing that potentially. I love it. Thank you, Pelena. And um, also finally, um, so we've got these two books. Are there any other books coming? Not now. (laughs) (laughs) I really don't know what to say. No, definitely not now. But again, I just want to keep the conversation going. Mm. Uh, Obviously, keep social media going um, and the blog. Because I feel like right now the two are enough to kind of say what we're trying to say. I think so. I think that blog especially is a vibe. Yeah, yeah. And the Instagram showing different places and elements. I think that, that that's definitely good because it's more real time. It's real time, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As opposed to the process of the book can be quite long and arduous. Yeah, but Okay, how many books in a series do you want? I think that the two is great. And um, yeah. again, keeping these conversations going, really encouraging mums. Again, it could be a self thing of, it's just so many factors, like we said, to do with it. I think start small, start local. The parks yes. are great, libraries are great. Children's centres are great. Meet other mums, especially if you've got friends who the children aren't the same age range. Children's centres are a great way to really, you know, um, yeah. meet friends and then 
um, partner up with other moms who have got kids the same age, other fathers as well. I love making conversation with fathers when I go out because it's great. Because when I see a father and his child, I'm like, I'm even like, what are you doing here? And I'm so yeah. Go up to them and be like, oh, how are you? I'm planning for my kids. What made you come here? How's yeah. it been? How do you feel being here? I'm like, yeah, we're just here out with the kids. It's good for them. I love. I love hearing the father's perspective as well because then we can get into stereotypes. Oh, it's just mums. No, I love. Yeah, I've seen about, yeah, well, yeah. Well, you know. Yeah, no, thank you. I'm glad that we got to chat. Um, and where can they find you? Instagram handle, yeah, website, all of that. London book, um, www.exploringlondonbook. Yeah, because there's one dot com, yeah, yeah, dot com. <laughs> <laughs> and Instagram? Same, exploring London book. Thank you so, so much, Pelena. It's been um, amazing talking to you. And um, hopefully we'll catch up soon. Yeah, you know we will. Thank you so much. <laughs> My pleasure. Back, 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 back. I hope that you um enjoyed that. Like it was um it was just it was a cute conversation. I want to talk to more um black women, black mothers doing great things, just nice things around the world. Um you know, holler at me, not in my DMs on social media because I would likely ignore it. Um, so do send it to SYM at KalechiOkafor.com. And, you know, hopefully we can chat about what you're doing. Um, you know, I knocked my mic, you know, but um, I'd love to hear it, basically. I'd love to hear it. I think it'll be um, wonderful to discuss. So, um, yeah, check out the books, check out Pelena's um, blog. Um, and yeah, I'd love to hear how you're kind of navigating you, wherever you live, if you have black children and where you take them to and all of those things there. Because, you know, I do understand the genuine concern as to why we don't take our children into certain spaces. At the same time, I, you know, wonder where are people taking their children and what experiences that they've had. So yeah, share those and um, any other cute places that people should go to. Um, take this opportunity then to big up this, uh, well, two slaps on your chest, Polina. I don't know if I even did that. Look at my hand. I'm just doing things in a wayward way. Um, yeah, I'll take this opportunity to pick up the first of this week's show sponsors who are Typology. Now, I'm not actually wearing any makeup today. Um, I rarely do for the podcast, actually. Maybe I need to, maybe I need to start wearing makeup, you know. Maybe I need to start doing a little something when I come to record because it's so visual now. And these days, the girlies, the skinfluencer girlies are dominating. Um, I'll think about it. But um, anyway, when I have been just wanting a little casual thing, a little casual look, I've been using the typology serum. So it took me a minute to use the serum because I used the concealer first. I was just like, mm, this is nice. I like the concealer. Got to get, you know, it, it sits well um, and all of that stuff. But then I thought, okay, no, I'm going to use the um, the serum more, the typology serum. And so that comes like, um, it's a, basically like a tinted moisturizer, right? Well, tinted serum in this case, but like a tinted moisturizer. And I wore it to kind of film a few bits and the way that it sits on the skin is really, really nice. Like I'm blessed that at the moment, like my skin is behaving. So, you know, just generally, you know, it's clear, which I'm thankful for. Um, might come from just minding my business, but that's pseudoscience. Anyway, um, but actually not. Anyway, I, have though gone you know to wear the typology tinted serum for certain things and it's like my skin but boom you know it's like my skin but ew. it's like my skin but 
ooh, like I like that. So it's not too heavy because I hate when things just feel mad heavy on my skin. It's just light. It's just a very light, natural coverage. Um, and just gives you a little bit of pizzazz, a little bit of sparkle. And that's all I really need at this time. I don't need to go full because I feel like some of the issues that I have with like makeup is like it's either you've got all or nothing and sometimes I just want to be somewhere just not even in the middle I just want to be at like 40% or 35% and the tinted serum allows me to be there cutely so you know I dig it um yeah I dig it I think you know it's great um typology say that it gives you a natural coverage like I've experienced um gives you a glowy hydrated skin which I did have and that comes from the vitamin c that's in there for the radiance so I appreciate that and it's also got squalane and um aloe vera for deep long-lasting hydration because that's another thing that when I took it off it wasn't my skin was like but sometimes you feel like like you remove makeup and it's like that's what your skin feels like. It's like, it's been 59 years without moisture, but I didn't have that sensation. So we're very, very glad about that. Um, it feels great. So you, you know, check it out if you can. Um, it feels nice on the skin. And like I said, it just doesn't feel um, icky for me. So I really appreciated that. Um, but yeah, you can, um, go and check them out. So yeah, check them out on typology.com. And if you use the code MIND, M-I-N-D at checkout, you can get um, the nine ingredient lip balm on typology.com for free. So you can add it to your cart once you've like selected all of your other bits. You can add that to your cart. And um, I know that there are limited quantities available, but yeah, everything feels nice. So if you can get the nine ingredient lip balm for free upon all the other things or the other bits that you might decide to get, like the tinted serum, check it out. Um, and there's like a questionnaire that they take you through on the website as well to figure out like what is best for you, what shade, this, that. So I think that that's, it's just helpful. It's just helpful. It's just helpful and straightforward. And that's, you know, what we love to see basically. So yeah, visit typology.com and uh, get involved and use the code mind at checkout to get your nine ingredient lip balm so your lips can be doing anyway let's get on to so you mad right so this week on so you mad i'm going to start first by saying um a big uh setting out my condolences to jay versace jay versace is a baby boy and he was one of the most prominent um creators on vine when vine used to exist so vine walked so tiktok could run um and he was brilliant on it he was absolutely brilliant um he would make these short form uh very very short videos um super funny and you know as he began to grow whose interests changed and he wasn't making those sort of videos anymore, was more involved with music. I think he even recently won a Grammy for one of his productions. Um, So, you know, he's really, you know, Jay is super talented. He's just a baby boy. But um, unfortunately, his mum passed away last week. Um, She'd been ill for a while, but I don't think that they were expecting her to like pass away at this point. Um, Absolutely distraught, as one would be. And um, a GoFundMe was set up to support him in being able to kind of give her a great um, home going, as they call it, give her a, home, a great home going. And, um, you know, he's um, also one of his siblings for them to be able to be uh, rehoused um, now that his mum has passed away. Various things in it. 
So, you know, a lot of people donated to that crowdfund to support him because he has been um, an icon online for ages and really sweet as well. Like not into any kind of mix up and blend blend. Like he's so sweet. Um, And it's been amazing to watch him grow into this man from this little boy, very talented little boy into this, um, you know, talented man. Um, But I feel like what got me about him sharing that is how nasty people can be online. And I feel like I, for the sake of transparency, I'm only really coming online at the moment to post about the live show. I don't feel like I've got anything else that I really want to be doing online because I feel like it's such a nasty place at times. And I feel like we go through these um, undulations um, in terms of the nastiness of um, what social media is capable of. And I was just like, it's not everything you stupid motherfuckers need to theorize. Everyday theory, everyday theory. Can you not fucking rest? And it's always disingenuous as well. You're nasty people and you're disingenuous because you'll sit there like somebody's just announced that his mum's passed away. You know, he's extremely sad. And then you want to stretch your stupid dry fingers. My fingers are dry as well at this moment in time. So, you know, I'm I'm talking to you from a place of where somebody can have dry fingers and not use them to go and type crusty things. Just because your fingers are dry does not mean that your heart has to be the same. Okay. So you now stretch your dry fingers to go and type, oh, well, this is why people should have life insurance and this is why this is this and this is why this is that. Okay, thank you, moneyexpert.co.uk or .com in this case. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for letting us know confused.com. Thank you so much. Go compare, go, go, go compare, go compare. Thank you so much for letting us know the obvious. You can't. You just can't wait. And like, you just have to get that tweet off. You just can't hold it in. You must, you just must say something. And I very much feel like you save that energy for certain people because if it was a kind of man that you align yourself with that had lost his mom, you're not typing that bullshit. But there's certain people that you feel like you can type bullshit about. And it's the fact that it's a woman that died as well. You've got all of these shoulda, coulda, wouldas that, you know, that you want to, that you want to spout off. Why didn't your friend Kevin Samuels have life insurance? Maybe he did, who knows? But why did he end up dying in the way that he did? All your advice that you wanted to give, why didn't you go and give it to your friend Kevin that needed it? Clearly, you're a high value person. Why didn't you go and and give it to Uncle High Value? You didn't have all the information or the advice for Uncle High Value, but you want to be giving it to Jay or talking around him about, oh, um, you know, should have had life insurance because now you're asking people on the net but you know what sometimes people want to give and in his case people want to give sometimes say that the reason that you're vexed is because you're scared that nobody would ever want to give to you because I need some of you to start being honest be honest from today be honest the reason that some of you are so vexed with people who are visible in a particular way is because you don't feel like if you were that visible that it would be positive towards you. So all you can spread is negativity and vitriol and little snide comments. That has to be it because the rest of it just makes no fucking sense as far as I'm concerned. Like none whatsoever. She should have had it life insurance. You don't know the ins and the outs as to why that wasn't possible because life insurance, especially in America, if you've got any pre-existing conditions which are probable because of the way that systemic and institutional oppression can affect your livelihood, can affect your lifestyle, can affect your health, you're not going to get, you're not going to get life insurance or the premium is going to be mad high. Thus, you're not going to be able to pay for it. So you're not going to have it. But you don't think about these things. You just start typing like typers. Type in like a broken typewriter. Shut the fuck up. 
Stop talking. Leave people alone. Not to say that if you want to have those conversations about, oh, in our community, we need to do better about getting insurance and, you know, finding what have that conversation, but maybe not have it after somebody's just said, hey, my mom's just died. Like, honestly, the, the internet's just a wild place. Um, and I, I don't, I don't, sometimes I go through these um, spaces where, or these times where I don't see much hope for humanity, but I know that there has to be because, you know, I want a future for our children. I believe the children are a future. Teach them well. Let them lead the way. Um, back from my music break. Um, yeah, so that's all I really wanted to say. Like, rest in peace to Jay Versace's mum and you lot that like to type bullshit. Just please, just shut up. Just shut up. Just allow it. Not everyday theory. Not every day come and give us your hot take. Sometimes put the hot take in the fridge. It might spoil your fridge, but I hope it does. You got a white fridge? Yeah, and just, just go and do something else and leave us alone. Um, what did Jay Versace actually say about it? I think he, yeah, he says, here we go. My mother was extremely reserved and private and I always respected that about her, which is why I never talk about my personal life or family. This is a very weird time for me because I would like to respect my mother's wishes about her personal life. I also have to recognize when I can't do things by myself and this is one of those times. I was dreading asking for help, but so many people showed love and compassion and I feel so happy that I can not only give her a good homegoing service, but navigate a new space for my sibling. Thank you to everyone who contributed and didn't feed into the the nasty comments i'm beyond grateful and i wish i could hug y'all um, all of y'all um please give me some time to grieve and process as this is still fresh as, as this is still a fresh wound for me thank you all take all the time you need baby boy take all the time you need as for the people that were writing all of the nasty things well well i really lips the mic there well you know i don't know what's waiting for you but at the moment it doesn't look good i don't know how many times you're gonna have to repeat this life because you are failing fantastically you are you are failing you're flying failing fantastically you are fucking this up you are fucking up this life experience and i don't know what to tell you i don't know what to tell you don't know what to tell you leave jay versace leave him alone leave him alone because it's not nice it's not cute what you lot are doing um whether you're doing it from a burner, whether you're doing it from your um, personal, pay, whatever you're doing it from, just stop being so nasty. Like it, it's not cute. It's not cute. And some of you even think you're being helpful. That's the weirdest thing. Like I received some random messages in the past couple of weeks and I read it and I feel like maybe like, you know, like I'm, I'm an OG on the internet. Like I'm, um, I'm, I'm an OG on the net and how to use it and the energies that I can pick up and the way that I like to uh, dissect language. Some of you are just like, think that you're playing in my face, but it's very evident that you just need to go and seek spiritual consultation because the kind of negativity and things that you lot are trying to spread, it's only your families that it's going to land on. I'm telling you, it's not coming anywhere around here. We are protected. Um, but yeah, it's just a nasty place where people can exacerbate things um, and build on fear and just build on anger and um, vitriol. And it's just long. It's long for man. Um, so yeah, sending Jay Versace all of the love. And so we move from that place of passing to a place of new life. Rihanna, Robin Fenty has given birth to a boy. Do, 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 do. I don't even know if I've got my applause button set up in here. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I don't I don't think it's set up. Um, but yeah, big up yourself, Rihanna. You know, now you're a modder. You're a modder. I know that she's gonna boss motherhood the way that she bossed her pregnancy. Um, but the news came out, I guess, sooner than Rihanna would have wanted to um, announce it. And oh yeah, congratulations to um ASAP um Snicker Bar or ASAP Rocky Road. Um it came out sooner than she probably would have announced it because a nurse that worked at the hospital where she gave birth decided to, I believe, go on Facebook to go and announce that Rihanna had given birth to her child. And I just wonder, where is safe anymore? Like, nowhere is safe. That's somebody's private moment, regardless of whether they are a celebrity to you. That is somebody else's private moment. And you as a nurse have a duty of care to them. And you just ran on Facebook and you were like, oh, I'm going to go and tell everybody. Like, some of you are classless, swear down, classless, no class, trashy, trashy, raz, raz babes everywhere. Because what other kind of information are you divulging about patients? Because she's a patient in that moment and you have a patient, nurse, whatever, whatever, confidentiality. What other information are you divulging about people's personal lives on your Facebook or to family members and telling people's business when you shouldn't be? That is one of the most scary things about when you're interacting with people in these settings because you don't know what the fuck they go to say about you when they go home and then suddenly your business is out there and you ain't asked nobody to know. It's wild. But congratulations to Rihanna. But to the nurse that went to go and give out that information, I hope you've lost your job. And especially in this economy, I hope you've lost your job because it will teach you that if you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. That's what you deserve. Um, While other people are playing stupid games, getting stupid prizes, we've also got um, Azealia Azealia Blanks. Yeah, yeah, I think Azealia Blanks even works because she's firing and it ain't hitting. It ain't hitting. Um, it's not hitting the way that she wants it to. So recently there was some whole thing with um uh what is it, Megan the Stallion. She attended, was it which awards was it? Billboard Awards, was it? I don't know the awards these days. I don't even be keeping keeping track like that. She attended an award ceremony and Cara Delavine, or whatever her name was, she was there and um she was doing a lot. She was in her white girl mode. She was doing a lot. She was in her white girl ally mode. She was just doing a lot. She was trying to swoosh uh, Megan the Stallion's dress. And she was just, she, yeah, you, 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 I feel like if you've been around ec- ecstatic white girl energy, you get what Kara was doing and you're just like, okay, you know, just do it over there. You know, like I didn't feel like there was any malice in it. She was just doing what she was doing. And obviously the internet got onto her and they were just like, you are doing too much and rah, 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 rah. And, yeah, just telling her about herself, basically. Um, but Megan said nothing. I think Megan must have cropped her in one of their, like, one of their videos or whatever. But Megan didn't actually um, say much. Or she, I think even if she did, it was very much like, leave Kara alone. Like, she was just having a good time. Just, you know, she just tried to move past it and show that they're cool with each other. But for some reason, um, Azealia Banks decided to now come and do son son and start talking. Um, and I've wanted to invite her on the show before because I feel like, you know, there are times when I feel like Azealia does get it right, but then it feels like a case of a broken clock where it's like, it's not consistent. It's not giving consistency, you know, like one minute we're like, all right, you've got it there. You're doing all right. And then she'll just go, she'll just, she'll just turn left out of nowhere. And it's like, what is this now? Anyway, this is what she said 
about um, This is what she said about um, Megan the Stallion She says Jay-Z's female artist marketing tactics are so fucking played out Drum up some domestic violence lie Garner public sympathy Strip the artist of her confidence Isolate them And use them as vehicles for whatever white think tank agenda um, A la mode it, It's all It's actually fucking pitiful Cara doesn't have an obsession with black women It's that upper crust English society full of fake White and jealous white hoes Who were never as charismatic as she is That made fake friendships Tried sabotaging her in every way um, In every which way um, she moved And the intense jealousy And the fact that that horse-faced Wide-back Meg the fucking stallion Who has no grace cooth Is in desperate need of a serious Ethnic rhinoplasty Has the nerve to try and shade Kara She needs a saddle on her back And a summer jumping and a summer jumping hurdles In Ocala, Florida Before anyone gives a fuck about anything Just because you are big And fucking doofy Doesn't mean Anyone is scared of you Rock Nation is always trying to use Kara As a way to push their artists into the fashion world And I cannot wait until Jay gets over Meg Like he did Rita And just washes his hands off the um, Washes his hands off the ghetto And throws her to the streets where she belongs What an angry, violent, aggressive And messy lesbian drunk Fucking yuck Kara is not your fashion bitch sis You screamed protect black women Then helped Popeyes sell surplus Sweet heat sauce and fried chicken Sandwiches Jay-Z literally took one look At your dumbass and um, Switched out the Hennessy for his own brand Of Doucet while you um, Grieved the loss of your mum Even even he knows that is all You are worth being a fucking Desperate statistic easily swayed Con artist and grifter I've had enough of the Cara Delevingne Pot shot enough and then there's a picture of her with Kara. Um, it's just very weird at this point. And then she goes on to say, Kara never had to lie about being shot and conflate the very real death of Breonna Taylor into an agenda to garner sympathy during an election year. The S- that N- SNL that SNL performance with the glass bullet holes was tasteless, careless, and opportunistic. Bad acting on the Gale clips. I've been through loads of shit, but never desperate enough to have a marketing team try and use a tragic national event to market me as the black girl tragic mascot. I'm just not into that. I'm into the Meg the Stallion pity party slash divisive press release shit anymore. If you're going to sell sex, then fucking sell sex and sell it well. Booze, anger, lying, fried chicken are not sexy. If you're going to sell pity, then do that. Believably. I just don't believe anything is real or worth the time there. Um, just dumb PR games. Okay, like I said, I've thought that she's made some points in the past, but she's not making any points currently. She's not, Azealia Banks is not making any points. And actually, a lot of the things that she said there was very, very anti-black. And sometimes people accuse Azealia Banks of being like jealous. And these are one of the times, these are one of those times where she's feeding into that rhetoric because what did Meg do to you that you're writing all of this up and down? And you have a cheek calling somebody classless this. Did we not see you with chicken blood in the closet and holding a machete and dancing like wang, 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 like focus, focus. If you're hurt, say that. But then saying that somebody needs to get ethnic rhinoplasty, just because you decided that you wanted to get all of these, um, all of this surgery done on you, that was your personal choice. And even then upon all the surgery, 
they're still not you're still not selling records you're still not doing the things that you want to be doing like you're so talented but you're not even getting there and we know that color is in place of role we know that there are various things that got into the way got in the way of you popping off the way that you believe that you should have popped off but at the same time the way that you're behaving is not helping and I always want to um give space or you know allow grace for the fact that she might have like some emotional and you know mental things going on as well but there comes a point like you can't just be fueling vitriol in that way and think that it's okay and also basically the most dangerous thing is saying that Megan is lying about what um that that garden gnome that demonic garden gnome did to her um Tory Tory um Tory pathway or is it Tory lanes um basically insinuating that she lied about that and also insinuating that Rihanna lied about that because I see the correlation that you're trying to make that Rihanna lied about the um the domestic situation domestic violence situation with Chris Brown but that was documented the same way that the situation with Megan is also documented if you're angry about the fact that people didn't raise up enough uproar when Russell Crowe I think it was spat in your face again say that because actually that was disgusting the way that nobody rode out for you the way that they should have and everybody made you out to be like oh well you know who cares who cares and let this guy get away with what he did hurt people hurt people and I get that you're hurt and I know that the natural thing or what feels natural to you is to then go and hurt somebody else or feel that somebody else is getting more um empathy than you've gotten but Megan isn't even getting empathy like that so to call it the Megan pity party is really wild because she's not even getting the empathy that she deserves because of the very size that you mentioned her height her body all of that the fact that she's a black woman she's not getting the empathy that she deserves meanwhile you're trying to fuel it like that's just irresponsible behavior there are so many points though that I read and I was just like "Mm, I don't know I just mm, I don't know if you should be saying that I don't think that you have um you know th- that you have the authority in that regard um yeah you can say that Kari does Kara doesn't have an obsession with black women you could say that singularly without dragging Megan through the mud um and then you, she goes the, the, I've talked about the ethnic rhinoplasty I just think it, all that body shaming I guess it's the way that she talks about herself which is why she went and got them wonky um ass shots like she got all of that injected into her bum but it's somehow just let me not say too much um but yeah, it's just, it's just wild. And then talking about, oh, you know, she's violent, aggressive, messy, lesbian, drunk. So again, what that homophobia, I don't, has Megan told you that she's a lesbian? I just, mm, I don't know. There's a lot going on there where she gets, I feel like Azita gets very confused and she tries to like get herself back into being talked about by kicking off in this way. And I would like to think that it's not like a motive, like she's not, it's not her motive or her, her like, conscious motive to do these things but it definitely feels like why are you courting drama and I don't feel like Megan is the kind of person that's going to respond she'll just mind her business do what she's doing she's got way too much trauma that she's working through to now come and be like let me have a back and forth with Azealia like a lot of the celebrities have moved off that as well you claim that you're so classy but you're doing Raz babe things when last did Rihanna Robin Fenty argue with anyone online you know but yet you're here after giving us 212 that was a banger you're here talking all this crud online. It's shameful. It's shameful. And I just hope that you do better. And I hope that the closet is now clean. Um, so there's that. Um, and then what else did I see? Well, the, the Wagatha Christie 
um, court case was still happening. For those who don't know, Colleen Rooney um, married to Wayne Rooney and Rebecca Vardy married to, what's that? Is it James Vardy? The one that says chat shit get banged. He's actually the original person that said chat shit get banged. Um, but then I made it what it is. Icon. Um, anyway, they've been going back and forth because I think it was during lockdown or prior prior to that. Um, Colleen Rooney had been noticing that people, somebody in her close friends list was um, leaking information to the press um, that she yeah, that she'd post on Instagram in her close friend stories. They were leaking it to the press, and she was trying to figure out who it um, who was doing it to the extent that she only put um, Rebecca Vardy in her close friends list, and then she put a fake story on close friends to see it whether it would end up in the newspapers, and it did. And so this whole court case started, and Rebecca Vardy was like, "Oh, that's defamation, rare, 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 rare." And it turned out that from what we're hearing in the um the court case or the trial as it's um you know gone on, is that actually Rebecca Vardy and her uh, manager Caroline had been having these long conversations on WhatsApp, and in fact, it seems like then um what's her name Rebecca tried to destroy that information in one regard in one way or another. Well, that's what it says in the court documents anyway. But what I found most interesting about reading the transcript of their conversation um, that they had on, um, you know, WhatsApp and whatever else was how vacuous their lives are. Like Rebecca would try to organize paparazzi to see her coming out of a, you know, when she's on holiday with the other wags, see that you're, you know, they're on a trip, a football trip with the other wags abroad, organizing paparazzi to catch them, you know, coming out of places like thinking that raw people actually do do these things and i guess maybe it is a part of celebrity life but it just seems so weird and contrived well it is contrived um but more so it was just realizing how bad mind people are like people are literally sitting there in their whatsapp groups trying to construct or or or, or come together to collaborate on your downfall like i thought it was just like just happening you know, in certain communities, but no, like white women are really out there working hard to come up with the downfall of somebody else. Like Colleen will post the picture and Caroline and her manager are already talking crud about it in the WhatsApp messages. And it's just like, wow. So that's what you lot spent your time doing. I don't know. I ain't got it. I ain't got it like that. That's not to say I'm not trying to talk like all holier than thou. Like I don't, um, like I don't cuss people or I don't chat shit about people here and there. But Honestly, looking at the, looking at what they're doing, nah. And me personally, one thing I won't do is go around like wishing for someone to like flop. No, I can find something that they've done tasteless. And so maybe I'll say to my brother or one of my friends, like, I'm, I can't, I can find something that they've done tasteless or they, or thoughtless or whatever, or just not, that's it really. If I don't think something's cute, I'm more likely not to say anything. I feel like I've grown to the point where, I won't actually share if I think something, if I just don't like something, I won't share it. I won't say anything. I'll leave it because that's my personal, that's my personal problem in it. But if some, if there's a, if there's something that I think is um, ethically or something wrong with something, or I think is just like wild, then I will say something to a friend or I will say something to my brother, like this is fucked up. Um, but other than that, if I see someone wearing something, I'll be like, I won't be like, oh my God, look what this person's wearing. I don't do that shit. I don't, I don't, I don't like it. I think it's weird. I think it's fucking weird. But if someone says something, I was like, oh, you know what? This is extremely problematic. 
then I'll talk about that. But I, yeah, generally, nah. And I don't sit there going, oh, I can't wait till the day that there's someone pulls them down and da da da. Because that's long. That's long. Um, and when people, when I find out that people are trying to do that with me, like, oh, when I get, her, nah, nah, God won't allow for that. God won't allow for that. Like, no. But yeah, I just, I read it and I was just like, the wags are going through it. Like, they are going through it. And honestly, some of the outfits weren't cute. Like, some of you have a lot of money and you, you're not, you're not giving, uh, when you go to these trials, you're not giving when it comes to the outfit. No, I don't, I don't like it. Um, so yeah, I just thought all of that was very, very weird to see like people actually like she posted something three or two minutes ago. They're already talking about it in a WhatsApp group. Like, can you believe that? Can you da 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 da? But um, now some of the messages can't be found. Interestingly, so I feel like Colleen's got this one. I feel like Colleen's got this one because you know she can prove that clearly. Um, um, uh, what's it, Rebecca Vardy and um Caroline or whatever, whatever her um, manager's name is, that they had colluded on in certain regards to to leak stories about her to the press. So, how is it defamation? Like you did that. I don't even know who's suing who. I really should have paid attention, but I don't really try to get myself involved in white people mess. I just try to watch from a distance. But even from a distance, it looks messy as fuck. Um, and then in further white people mess msn posted that william um prince william and kate have um you know are having some marital problems and that um prince william has moved out but within a, a little while of posting it they took the post down so that's very very interesting that they would pull it down just like that like it would be gone um and i wonder why i wonder why um what did it say i'm just trying to find it here it says here before they pulled it down it says here William and Kate's marriage is under constant scrutiny therefore they haven't always had an easy time of it Prince Charles apparently even suggested a separation between the two before they got married but they came over the hardships and stood strong even rumors of Prince William's alleged affair had no effect on the couple but recently there have been more and more fights between the two as insiders report apparently not palace staff recently um, apparently not Palace staff reported recently a heated discussion between the couple that they stumbled upon. The staff eavesdropped on their conversations where Kate expressed her unhappiness. Um, as the site schlager.de reports, Prince William responded to her, when you married me, you knew what you were getting into, to which she replied, uh, to which she is said to have replied. What does she reply? Where, um, what to which she is said to have replied, maybe marrying you was a mistake. After the argument, Kate packed her luggage and left for her parents' house with her children. Apparently, everything is too much for them at the moment. The pressure and the expectations of the crown and the British, um, what is it? And the British population are weighing heavily on the couple. Um, but, you know, that seems like, you know, it was from one of those gossip sites, but it did end up on MSN, which was very interesting um but like I said they pulled it down almost instantly and I just think it's funny how quickly um stories about them disappear off the internet but let it be um Meghan and Harry and people will be talking and talking like talkers but William K William the future king of in England no 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 they were like take that shit down right now take it down um, and instantly their spin doctors got to work and they were like, oh, no, no, no. They're attending the Top Gun premiere this evening, actually, hoes, because y'all tried it. 
don't know why their um, spin doctors are American. But they're like, no, they are actually attending the Top Gun premiere. But it was funny to look at their body language from the pictures I saw anyway. Their body language was so strained, like not even touching, like just her face. Her face always looks very like hard, usually anyway. Like her eyes, she doesn't have kind eyes. Her eyes are very like, I don't even, I can't even do them. But her eyes are just very not kind. So you could just see like the, in the whole body language thing, it was like, we must show up. And she knows what she signed up for at the end of the day. So even if you did want to throw a tantrum and walk out, they'll be like, no, come back, come right back and get on that red carpet because baby, you've got how many children? You've got like 75 children. Don't try it. They're, they're possible heirs to the throne. Get the fuck onto that red carpet immediately. We've had a glimpse into what it's like to be a royal from that interview that Meghan and Harry did with Oprah. So she can't just be like, oh, I'm not doing this anymore. (laughs) That's not how it works out here. And it's unfortunate. This is why Kate should join us in wanting the monarchy to crumble so she can be freed of William and his wandering willy. That's what I want it for her. I want it. I want to say I want to say I want it for my good sis, but she's not my good sis with her with her unkind eyes. No, no, thank you. Um... Okay, and uh, from one wayward to another, Jamie Oliver was protesting outside number 10 with an Eaton mess. So for the Americans who don't know, an Eaton mess is like a dessert that's just very, very sugary and a lot and just extremely just rich, like overly sugary. I mm-mm. Anyway, um, he's protesting the fact that um, the government is, um, I think they're doing something with some like multi-pack deals or whatever that he's like, oh no, it's going to make people unhealthy. Like you've already taken Ribena from us, Jamie Oliver. You've taken Ribena. What more do you want? I also think it's interesting how he's allowed to protest, right? Outside number 10. But um, like, yeah, so he's allowed to protest outside number 10. But isn't there a ban against us protesting the um, governmental decisions now, but he's allowed to do it as a white man. This is the thing. If they're not vexed about your protest, that means that your protest doesn't bang. That means that your protest doesn't slap. Like they know that you're not going to affect any change. They know that you're just doing it for, you don't have the vim basically. Like of all the things that happen, you want to now take an eaten mess outside of number 10 and be like, oh oh, no, children should stop eating unhealthy food. But you're not talking about the fact that the cost of living has gone up so much that parents are having to buy what they can afford. And if that's not super healthy, then that is what it is. If they're going to get a multi-pack deal. Anyway. So, um, somebody wrote powerful turnout outside 10 Downing street together. We're calling for the prime minister to put our children's health above politics. This was the same, um, prime minister that didn't even want to feed children during lockdown so how do you think all of a sudden he's going to be like oh yeah you know what yeah girl you're so right yeah we'll we'll give them healthy food we'll sort that no they want they want people to suffer they want people to stay in a constant state of just unhealthiness so they can be controlled in that way if you're not feeling healthy if you're not able to think straight then you're just going to be you're just going to do what you're told as far as they're concerned um but jamie oliver again just concerned about the wrong things as far as i can see like, oh yeah, um, they need to sort this, um, you know, they need to not let children do this or they need to not, not let um, companies sell this type of food and that type of food. But what are you saying? What's What is being done in its place is what I don't understand because we don't know that yet. Um, I'm just trying to bring up what he's, um, what he wrote or what he wrote, what he said rather. Um, but the interesting thing for me is that he's just out there protesting and there doesn't seem to be a real issue with it. They're just like, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, do what you want to do. 
um, where is it? Jamie Oliver protest because I had it saved and then it's decided to, like I said, move wild. Um, let's see here. It says here, Jamie Oliver wants the government to ban multi-buy deals on junk food. And considering the cost of living crisis, some people are seriously unimpressed. It all started when the government said it would ban buy one, get one free deals on junk um, junk food and ban pre-watershed TV adverts for foods high in fat, salt or sugar as part of its strategy to tackle obesity published in July 2020. The report stated that one in three children leaving primary school were overweight or obese and set out an action plan to tackle the issue. But the government later U-turned on these plans saying it would um, defer action for a year while officials assessed how the cost of living is affecting household finances. What do you need? How do you need a year to work out how the cost of living, um, um, whatever you've put in place, how it's affecting households? People are struggling. People have always been struggling. So what are you, what are you struggling to understand? Again, everyone's just pretending and wasting time. It says if it goes um, ahead, the ban on multi-buy promotions will now come into effect on October 2023 or in October 2023, whilst the ban on TV adverts would be delayed until January 2024. And um, Jamie Oliver isn't pleased. Essentially, he wants the government to to U-turn on its U-turn and get on with the obesity strategy ASAP. The chef asked people to protest outside number 10 with an eaten mess pudding at Friday lunchtime to persuade the government to take action against junk food now. But that's what's interesting because by you asking people to um, protest in that way, they either have to buy the eaten mess or make the eaten mess. So you're asking them to waste food. You're asking them to waste food during a cost of living crisis. Can you not see how you're wayward? And this is why your restaurant's closed. That's why they closed because you don't have sense. You don't have sense. And if you're, if you're frustrated about your restaurants closing, go and take it out with Boris. Stop punishing the rest of us. Like, unless you're going to find a, a robust strategy for how these families are going to be able to feed their children when this cost of living pri- crisis is in place, then you don't really have a right to be like, oh, they can't be going and getting multi and buy deals. You're not even giving us, you're the one that fucked up jollof fries. I don't think that you should be, you should be weighing in with what people are doing with their food. Just leave it alone. Leave it alone. Um, he says, I've asked the British, I've asked the British public to come and join me. I should stop doing that. Let's he says here, I've asked the British public to come and join me on Friday at 1230. Please bring an eaten mess. Just come and have a peaceful protest for 15 minutes. Oliver told Chan- and Channel um, 4. He continued, part of my job, believe it or not, is following graphs of how our kids are doing. And the last two years have been extraordinarily bad. Why is that? Why is that? What's happened over the last two years, Jamie? Jamie, what's happened over the last two years? Because you're not, you're not, you're, you're, there's two and there's two, but you're not putting them together. You're not putting them together. Your, your own is two and two equals eaten mess. And that is a mess. That makes no sense. You're making an eaten mess of this situation. And I think it's because you're too far removed from what the people them are going through. So you're just doing whatever you like. You just, that's all you're just doing anyhow. And it's quite frustrating to see. And we want to see less of it, quite frankly. Um, so yeah, so I just thought that that was um, wild. And then the last story that I thought was interesting was the way that slowly, 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 but surely, slowly, but surely, the, the way that Ukrainian women are being talked about in the UK press is starting to shift. It's starting to shift because you lot can't be nice for too long. 
You can't. British people are not nice people. You can't be nice for too long. They'll do the whole, oh yeah, help the refugees, da 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 da, until it got to the point where it's like, ah, oh, um, Svetlana, is that what they call? It's kind of, it's kind of peng. I don't want her around my husband. And then it's now a next thing. Um, but it goes beyond that actually. Anyway, it says here, mum of two whose partner dumped her for Ukrainian refugee has claimed that she set her sights on Anthony from the start and would come downstairs in red lippy with her hair done and wearing a low cut top. But maybe that's how she liked to dress without before me. Like she talks as if like Ukrainian girls weren't dressing, dressing when they were in Ukraine and all because of a war, suddenly she can't wear red lipstick again. So because of war, somebody can't wear red lipstick again. Because of war, somebody can't wear low cut top again and, and show cleavage. They can't, just because of bombs, they can't now show the um, decolletage or decolletage or decolleté. They can't show it now. Why? So it says, um, a mum of two whose partner dumped her for a Ukrainian refugee has shared her heartbreak. Lorna Garrett, 28, had her reservations about letting a stranger into their home in Bradford, West, West Yorkshire. But her beloved Tony, 29, was adamant and he joined Facebook groups where Ukrainians were looking for sponsors. After Sofia Karkadim, 22, was, um, who was fleeing the f- fighting, and moved in earlier this month Lorna said she was shocked to see her wearing low-cut tops and making and makeup for his benefit but again that's a wild statement to make how do you know that it was for his benefit she's a person with taste you know with her particular taste with her personal taste and she was probably wearing that before she got to you lot um she said here she set her sights on Anthony from the start Decided she wanted him and she took him, she told the son. I didn't care. She didn't care about the devastation that was left behind. Everything I knew has been turned on its head in the space of two weeks. She took your man in two weeks. Raw. <laughs> your relationship was on the rocks. My God. How can your man get teeth in the space of two weeks? Two. Duh. Dva. Dveh. Dust, is it dust? Your man got taken in two weeks. I got your man, and you can't do anything about it. You may think he is coming back to you, but I doubt it. No, makes no difference. You will call and try to work out it. I got your man, and you can't do anything about it. That tone was off. The, the notes were just everywhere, all over the place. I'm so sorry, Lady Saw slash Remy Ma, but you get where I was going when he's stressing me and he's blessing me. Uh, no, Remy Ma went mad on that track. Um, No, no, I'm still stuck on the fact that Sophia took your man in two weeks, 14 days. She hit the ground running. She said, today, 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 a man me after teeth. And she did so. Wow. She she didn't care about the devastation that was left behind. Everything I knew had been turned on its head in the space of two. Even at work, they give you one month's notice. Like, your man was gone in two weeks. I shouldn't be laughing, but this is what you lot get anyway. Um, according to Lorna, Sophia wore no makeup, did not do her hair and made no effort with her appearance during the day. But she said that, that changed after 5 p.m. when Tony was due to come home. She claims she would come downstairs in red lippy with her hair done and wearing a low-cut top. Um, 
Wow. Um, what the two bonded as Tony spoke Slovakian, which is similar similar to Ukrainian. Oh wow! Um, at first, I told myself I was imagining it, imagining it, um, or being irrationally jealous. But sadly, I was right all along. She said, "IT manager Sophia flew into Manchester on May fourth and went to live with the couple who had been together for eight years and their three uh, and their three and six and their three and six year old daughters." Tony, who works in an NHS drop-in centre, said the pair just clicked and got on really well, partly because he could speak Slovakian, which is similar to Ukrainian. This left Lorna not understanding what they were talking about and feeling like a third wheel. Her suspicions only worsened. Within days, tensions rose as the two grew closer, staying up late at night to watch TV together while Lorna went to bed. Now, Lorna, you played yourself. You played yourself because why are you going to bed? Why are you going to bed? From now, you're a vampire, my G. Lorna, you're a vampire. Why are you going to bed? Somebody's sitting there with your husband downstairs and they're watching TV and you've gone to bed. Instead of you to do somersault and do triple front flip and sit right in the middle of them on that sofa, because we're all go- if, if everybody's watching TV, we're going to watch TV together today. Are you fucking mad? But you were sitting there. So when she went to go and, when she went to go and to apply pancake, when she went to go and apply pancake to her face, what were you doing? You were looking. You were looking, standing by the stove and looking. You didn't do, you didn't do skin out. You didn't do it. You were just looking like a looker. I'm not blaming you, babe. I'm not blaming you, babe. He's actually wild. Your husband, Tony, he's a wild guy. He's a wild guy. and He's mad disres- disrespectful. For when they started speaking in, in the next language, I'd be like, ah, 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 ah. And we all return to English immediately. What nonsense is this? She's there saying my pum pum's wet in, in Ukrainian and you don't even understand the thing. Nah, you got in your in front of your face, in front of your korokoro eyes. They just played you like that. Nah, Sophia, you're a nasty girl. You're a wayward girl. You're a bad girl. You'll keep being the bad girl that you are because that was wild. Um, both Tony and Sophia said that they, although they, although they were getting on brilliantly, it remained innocent at this time. But a neighbor warned Lorna after she spotted the two talking intimately outside the house. Finally, she snapped and kicked Sophia out. But Tony then told his partner, if she's going, I'm going. (laughs) No, but is he mad? If she's going, I'm going. Where are you going? We've got two children. Where the fuck are you going? Are you all right? Where are you going? You've been together for eight years. You've got a three-year-old and a six-year-old. And you're like, if she's going, I'm going. If If you don't get back in the fucking house now, close that door. Are you mad? If she's going, I'm going. If, she, if she's going, I'm going. <laughs> you'll go to hell. That's where you'll go if you don't get back in that house. And he said, if he's going, if she's going, I'm going. And you watched him go. <laughs> Woo. Um, then, just 10 days after Sophia first arrived, the new couple packed their bags and moved. Nah, I thought it was two weeks. Now it's 10 days. Your man got taken in 10 days. Let me not say too much. Let me not say too much. Um, and then they moved into par- Tony's parents' home. So Tony's parents are mad. Sophia is mad and Tony is mad. They're all mad. Everybody's mad in this situation. You, Lorna, I'm going to need you to move more quickly next time. More quickly. Because right there were so many points there where you're, they were taking you for idiot. And you didn't, and you were just there looking, looking and looking. This is why you've got to come with aggression. You white women love to talk about black women. They're so aggressive. They're so aggressive. Find some black woman aggression then. Find some black woman blood. Find some black woman blood. 
because you, you, you got you got taken for a prick. And honestly, that's why. But then I had talked about this a few weeks before. A lot of these guys, a lot of these British men are using these sites where they're meant to be helping Ukrainian refugees. It's funny the ones that they want to help. It's funny how the ones that they want to help, what they look like. Oh, no, don't worry. Let's get Sophia in our home. No worries. No, 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 no. No, when I looked at the characteristics, I just thought she would be best because she's got fit tits. And no, sorry, I meant she's got great personality. You weren't paying attention. Wake up. Stand up. Stand up. Look at that. 10 days. Eight years. Your man got taken in 10 days. Stand up. Oh, God. No, no. When I move, you move just like that. That's what should have been happening. They want to watch TV late at night. No, everybody go to bed now. Everybody go to bed now. Into your rooms. Lights out. Lights out all out. Well, you're all out now, innit? Well, sorry about that, babe. That scene, that must be a lot. That must be a lot to take in. Um, This is dragging on. So I'll just wrap it up there. Um, Start your motors very, very briefly. Very interesting race by interesting. I do mean interesting. Actually, I was going to be shady, but actually, it was a very interesting race. Um, the Barcelona Grand Prix. Um, is it um circuit the Catal Catalonia? It was just yeah. It was. I'm glad that um, Mercedes have the upgrades that they have on their car because um they actually did really well um during qualifying. I was very happy to see it very happy to see the progress that's been made regarding the upgrades it was unfortunate that once the race started Kevin Magnuson decided to just move mad and he collided with Hamilton um that collision meant that Hamilton got a puncture had to change his tires and um I think it affected his front wing somewhere but it just meant that he then went from like was it fourth p4 to like p19 he went from fourth place to 19th place at the beginning of the race because of that collision and had to work his way back up eventually finishing fifth but it was he drove really really well but my god he shouldn't have had to work that hard and he just feels like luck is against him right now and he needs the luck to be on his side he really does need the luck to be on his side and how is that going to happen well i guess by me being there but i'm tired of telling the people them what is very very clear for the rest of the world and clear for everybody else to see. So the starting grid for the Spanish Grand Prix was Leclerc in first place, Verstappen in second, Sainz in third, Russell in fourth, Perez in fifth, Hamilton in sixth, which is great because if you think before, some when the car was really fucking up, they were starting in like P13, P14, all of them things there. So P12, um, I could have even just made up all of those positions, but it wasn't cute where they were starting. So it's nice that they were actually in fourth um, and sixth to start this time. And Magnussen was in eighth. Um, Bottas was in seventh. Ricardo ninth. Oh, Ricardo dropped a lot then during the race. Mick Schumacher was in 10th. Um, he would have gotten his first um, F1 point, but that didn't happen. Sorry. Norris was in 11th. Ocon was in 12th. Sunoda was in 13th. Gasly was in 14th. Um, Joe Guan Yu was um, in 15th. Vettel was in 16th. Alonso was in 17th. Lance Stroll was in 18th. Um, Albon was in 19th. And Nicholas Latifi was in 20th place. So that was the starting grid. Um, and, you know, it looked promising for Mick Schumacher because he managed to qualify in his highest position thus far since joining Formula One in P10. So he would be, um, you know, he was top 10 on the grid, which is really, really good for him. And if he'd managed to maintain that position, 
he would have gotten his first point, but that wasn't the way that the cookie, the um, you know, the Grand Prix cookie crumbled, unfortunately. Um, which was sad, 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 sad to see. The race itself, like I said, that initial collision was not great for Hamilton, made him have to work even more from his sixth position, drop down to 19th, bring himself up to fifth. Like he worked extremely hard, especially because he was planning to even give up after the collision happened. He was just like, you know what? I think we should save um, this engine for the next race. I don't want us to waste an engine because at that point he was just, I felt like he felt defeated. Like what's the point of me seeing the rest of the race through? But we were only like a few laps in at that point. And I was like, Hamilton, stand up. Stand up. Uh uh-uh. uh. What's this small boy behavior? Stand up, Jerry. As if you haven't seen worse. Get on with going, drive the car. And he did. He drove the motherfucker out of that car. Well done to him. Driver of the, I said he was driver of the day before them man even came through with the votes. Driver of the fucking day. Although, brilliant driving. My gosh, brilliant driving from George Russell. I had to even give him a follow. And you know, I've been very, very skeptical about him. Skeptical about him. I didn't want to follow him for a while, um, but I'm following him now because he drove the fuck out of that car. The car's just been nice to him. The races have been nice to him. And I remember mentioning in the episode before last that like, stop relying on safety car and just fucking drive the car. So George, I guess you, you're a SYM listener. I guess you're now a baby boy because you listen to the podcast. Um, well done. Like you drove like a motherfucker should like that was driving that defensive driving mwah, chef's kiss fucking gorgeous the fact that you held up Verstappen and Perez for that long with such skill with such precision well done I don't I no longer see you as like a safety car lucky boy like nah you showed us today you said Kalechi don't ever have my name in your mouth like that I know how to drive and I'm going to show you today and you showed me and I know I know how to accept when I'm wrong because you showed me that you could drive and you didn't have to slap anybody's helmet because I also still have a problem with that. You showed me that you could drive and I accept it. Well done, George Russell. Brilliant, brilliant race. You deserve to be on that podium, that third um, place podium. You deserved it. So I'm glad that's where you were. Somebody called Verstappen was first um, and, and Perez was second. And that's not the order that it should have been in. If, Red, if it was going to be a Red Bull 1-2, it should not have been Verstappen first. Perez second Perez literally got moved out of the way So um, so Verstappen could have that win How many wins are we going to give to this energy drink boy How many championships is he going to be gifted Because if that was what Hamilton did You lot would not have rested Your mouth would have just been doing Your mouth would have been working with DRS You would have been running your mouth Running your mouth up and down but Verstappen, he was throwing tantrums all throughout the race because his DRS functionality wasn't working correctly. And already they knew it was going to be a problem from the beginning of the, from before the race anyway. And they were trying to work on it even then, but clearly they couldn't get it sorted. So they're trying to tell him how to activate it. Like after you go on the curb, then press it once. I don't know, homeboy was pressing it twice or something was happening, but he just couldn't, he wasn't getting it. It wasn't working for him. So he had a really hard time with Russell. So he had to do an undercut eventually do a pit stop basically that's one undercut cut is going to a pit stop um which would then force the driver ahead of you to to go and pit as well because if they don't you're coming out with fresher tires and you're going to come for their clock so 
Yeah, eventually he got to where he got to and Perez had been driving a really, really good race. He couldn't even overtake Russell. That's the thing. He wasn't the one that was able to overtake Russell, really. It took Perez. No, he eventually did. But it took Perez having to get involved to help. And it's funny how quickly the um, engineers or the um, team were telling Checo Perez, um, Sergio Perez to move out of the way to let Verstappen have a chance at overtaking um, um, George Russell. And upon all his chances, 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 he still couldn't get him, really. He really couldn't. Um, until he did, when he got his DRS to work a little bit or whatever. But um, but then, you know, Perez is there doing what Perez is doing. And then Perez has to give up his place so Verstappen can get ahead and basically stave off anybody else that's going to try and catch up to um, Verstappen. And I'm saying all of this while missing out the fact that Leclerc, Charles Leclerc was leading for the majority of that race until his power unit went night night. And if we're six races in, are we six races in now? If we're this number of races in, and you're you are still having problems with power units in the way that you're having them, that means it's going to be a season issue. Like it's going to be a problem that we see throughout the season, and that is unfortunate for Ferrari because they've clearly got a good car, but the car. It's not reliable. Same way that Red Bull's car is not reliable. Like they'll win a race today. Tomorrow the car will decide that I don't want to do again. They'll get on the grid with the car. The Red Bull car will say, the RB18 will say, I don't want to do again. Hmm? I've suffered all my life. I've suffered. I don't want to do again. Yeah? Maybe you should just walk. Yeah? You, uh, Verstappen, and you, Abby Perez, that they call you. Go and walk. Because if you walk, maybe... Williams won't even catch you. Just just go and walk. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to do it again. And that's what the power unit's saying. And it, the power unit just doesn't want to go on. Um, but yeah, it was just funny that Leclerc leading the race with, I think he was 30 seconds ahead. And then his car just went, boom, done. But then the heat in Barcelona, they say was unprecedented. Like the the temperature, they none of the teams were pre- prepared for that. And I think that's also what affected, um, uh, what is it? Hamilton from, from having fourth place as opposed to fifth place because... Um, he got he overtook um, Carlos Sainz, remembering that he dropped all the way down to nineteenth because Magnussen's village people tried to destroy his life. Um, he dropped to nineteenth, got himself all the way back up, overtook um, um, Carlos Sainz, who's in a Ferrari, um, overtook him, and I think he started having some issues as well. Overtook him anyway, but then um, the engineers, the Mercedes engineers, started telling Hamilton that, oh, you know, he needs to be careful and to take it easy when he's braking and things like that because his car, it's not, it's not a, you know, it's not a drill. His car was overheating. The cooling systems weren't doing what the cooling cooling systems needed to do. They weren't prepared, um, like prepared for the heat, so he should back off. They told George Russell that earlier on in the race as well when he was going bam, bam, bam with Verstappen. So clearly, this is an um, like an issue that the Mercedes um, engineers and the factory were um, people need to sort out because, okay, good. We've got the car to a position now where it's able to fight, but these, everybody else is like races a hedge. This is where if the car was going to be in a Higgy Hagger state, where it currently is now is where it should have been at the beginning of the season. So when they did the upgrades at Barcelona, they would have been bodying everybody, but actually what they're doing is playing a game of catch up at this point. But I hope that they catch up in time. George Russell is doing well. He's helped for, for um, his first season at Mercedes. He's looking healthy. I need, you know, more spiritual alignment, more, more energetic alignment for Hamilton, because this is, this is not how we're going out. We're not going out like this. Come on, stand up. 
Stand up. And you stood up today. You did well. You did well. And more can be done. Driver of the day, definitely. Sunoda, I'm so proud of you. Yuki Sunoda, my little baby boy. Just keep doing what you're doing over there and enjoying all of the food. I know that it's the food that drives you. See, nobody else understands you, Yuki, but I understand you. The way that we love food, I know that you're eating well. I know that you're eating well in that paddock. And you said, me? I will drive what I need to drive. I will get points for um, Alpha Tauri so I can keep seeing that canteen. And I am proud of you. You do that. You do that. Um, so yeah, um, the race finished with, um, well, the race didn't, the race finished early for Leclerc, unfortunately. Um, but so that meant that Verstappen got given um, the win because Perez had to move out of the way. So he was first, Perez came second. You could tell it frustrated Perez. Third place was Russell. Fourth place was um, Ferrari signs. Hamilton was in fifth place. Bottas really drove well. I've given it to Bottas. I feel like he feels much more comfortable um, at Alfa Romeo. He's not feeling like the number two driver. He said number two, number two, number two now. Call it, call it Malibu. Yeah, I don't know. I made that. Um, but you know, he's feeling clearly more confident at Alfa Romeo. Alfa Romeo have given him a good car to drive. Um, so well, a good enough car to drive. So he's, you know, enjoying that. And, you know, he, he was selling pictures of his bum bum for charity the other day. I'm just happy that he feels free and he's doing what he's doing. Esteban Ocon came seventh. Lando Norris did really well, came eighth. Alonso, um, Fernando Alonso came ninth and Yuki Tsunoda, like I said, 10th place for my baby boy so he got himself a point and I am proud of him that's my point um so it's looking really interesting so the driver's standings now are as follows Verstappen is up he's got 110 points Leclerc has now dropped down to second place he's got 104 points Perez has 85 points um Russell has 74 points um Carlos Sainz has 65 points. He's in fifth place. Hamilton's in sixth place with 46 points. Norris is in seventh place with 39 points. Bottas has 38 points. Ocon has 30 points. And Magnussen, who was clearly sent to come and destroy what Hamilton was doing, got 15 points. So it's looking, it's looking good. But again, there's still a lot of the season to cover. So let's see how all of it plays out. In terms of team standings, um, Red Bull Racing is on 195 points. Ferrari is on 169 points. So they're now second place. Mercedes AMG, 120 points. Clearly ahead of McLaren, who's got 50 points. But that's because Ricardo's struggling so much. But it's not fair to put it just on Ricardo because sometimes Norris doesn't have a good um, race. But I think ultimately the McLaren car is just not reliable. And that's why all of these things are happening. Alfa Romeo um, is on 39 points. Alpine is on 34. Alfa Tauri is on 17. Haas is on 15, which is 15 more points than they had last season. Um, Aston Martin's got six points and Williams have three points. So basically this season, nobody is without points in terms of constructors. Nobody is without a point. So clearly the new regulations are like helping the girlies. So, you know, if they like it, I love it. The next race is Monaco. Um, Monaco is a difficult one. Like, you know, I'm going to need for um, Mercedes to do well, both Mercedes drivers to do well in qualifying because Monaco, you can't really overtake. So what we, and with all of this closer racing, closer racing, Higgy Hagar, all we're going to see is a car pr- a procession. There's just going to be a car parade because we're not really going to see a race because you can't really overtake like that in Monaco based on how the track is because it's like a, it's a street race. So they're not really going to be able to overtake like that. But 
crashes do happen. So I just wonder how that's going to affect everything. So what you need for Monaco is you need a good qualifying time on the Saturday. So you're further up the grid, like ideally pole position, because if you get there, then you can pretty much, you know, know that you're okay for the rest of the race because that you people can't really overtake like that. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it, it's very difficult, extremely, extremely difficult, but crashes have happened. So, um, I need Mercedes to drive well, get a good qualifying time, be further up on the grid. So even if they don't have the fastest car in terms of qualifying, they just have somewhere, you know, they're just somewhere cute. Um, That's what I want for them. Obviously, that's um, Leclerc's hometown or home country. Last year, was it last year that he got played out of that position? He got pole position and then everything just, just fuck up. Or is it the year before? Was it 2020? Everything just fuck up for him. So I'm hoping that if he does get pole position because he really missed out this race, like I I was genuinely guided for him in this race. Imagine you're racing well, 30 seconds ahead and your car just goes bye, 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 bye. And his car just went bye, bye. And that's sad. Um, He didn't want to, the car didn't want to make it through. Um, so that's yeah, unfortunate. So anyway, that's that for start your motors. We're in Monaco next week. Let's see how all of that goes down. Um, and I just yeah, I hope it's exciting because otherwise it can just be very boring just watching cars go around and round and round simply because nobody can overtake. But I do think that something will be very interesting regarding this whole closer driving thing um that bunches them up together and what that's gonna look like and how that's gonna play out. Um but I'm glad that Hamilton picked himself up and decided to see through the rest of the race and he really got his head down and did the work that needed to be done. So anyway, let me pick up the next of this week's um the second of this week's show sponsors who are um better help, um, which is good. It's always good to to have better help back in the mix. So, um, yeah, this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and life can be overwhelming. One minute you can be leading a race, doing really, really well, like, and nobody's really behind you like that. You can make a pit stop, come back out and you're still leading and you're just like, yes, I'm going to get more points. I'm going to get first place and suddenly your car's like, I don't want to wait in vain for your love. And your car just decides to give up. That song wasn't even appropriate, but go with me. Um, But, you know, your car, your power unit decides that it's burnt out. And sometimes people are burnt out without even knowing it. Symptoms can include lack of motivation, feeling helpless or trapped and detachment, fatigue and more. We associate burnout with work, but that's not the only cause. Any of our roles in life can lead us to feeling burned out. And BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to prioritize yourself. Talking with someone can help you to figure out what's causing stress in your life. Maybe it's a power unit. Maybe it's a racing strategy. Maybe it's the pit stop time that your team are doing. Maybe it's your team principal being a complex. Who knows? But BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Say your mind listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash your mind. That's betterhelp.com slash your mind. Betterhelp.com slash your mind. If you're having a hard time, whether you're racing or otherwise, maybe you're on a Grand Prix track or you're just on a track of life. But look at me, get everything in order and speak to somebody who can support you so you don't feel so burnt out like your power unit. Anyway, that's that. Let's get to straw of the week, aka suck your mum. 
Um, you know, I'm going to have to talk about it. Um, I just needed a lot of time to process last week about the um, Buffalo massacre that happened at Top's, um, Top Supermarket in Buffalo. There are a number of things that I want to talk about regarding this, but the primary thing is just how quiet everybody, so many people who were upset about Will slapping Chris Rock. Why is there a fly in my room? About Will slapping Chris Rock seem to not have the vim. When they were comparing the slap to, oh, what if it had been Betty White that, you know, got slapped and had dropped down and died? Well, she's dead. But they really wanted to kind of like be given examples and talking like every, every pundit, every, um, you know, every politician had so much to say about the slap. And it's like, but your wife is embezzling money. Maybe focus on that. Um, like it's, everyone had so many things to say, but now this white man goes into a supermarket and shoots and kills 10 people. Um, and it's like, oh, well, you know, he was a lone ranger. And, and, and this time they're at least admitting that it was racially, racially motivated because they couldn't deny it because he'd been making videos for months saying that this is exactly what it was going to be. So they, can't, they couldn't deny it this time. It couldn't be like, oh, what do you think his motivation was? Same as Dylan Ruth going, to the, going into the church in Charleston where we've had bombings happen, racist bombings happen before or a racist bombing happened in Charleston, killing children. Like, or was that Charlotte? Like, the base, isn't that mad that the number of racist attacks that have taken place in America is ongoing and countless, yet people will still turn around and be utterly flabbergasted when you say America is a racist state. And because Britain helped to establish what America is today, Britain... Is the, is, the, is the racist seed that has sprouted where it has in America. But, you know, there's that whole thing anyway. So I read that here. It says, um, Sam Levin wrote this. It says, um, the attack on black shoppers at a grocery store in Buffalo was carried out by an 18-year-old white man who authorities say was engaged in racially motivated violent extremism. The shooting left 10 people dead and is being investigated by the U.S. Justice Department as a hate crime. Reports suggest that the shooter had legally purchased multiple firearms, detailed his plans for the attack online for months, and claimed he was motivated by the great replacement conspiracy theory, a racist and false idea that white Americans are being deliberately replaced by immigrants. He has been arrested and charged in the slayings. The massacre comes amid a rise in anti-black hate crimes in the US where murders committed by white supremacists and far-right individuals have dominated extremist violence in the last four, um, in the last four years. Um, Brandy Collins Dexter, senior research fellow at Harvard's Schoenstein, um, um, Schoenstein Center, who studies disinformation and formally advocated with civil rights group Color of Change, spoke to The Guardian about how the massacre is rooted in America's long history of white supremacist violence and racist conspiracy theories. Um, this says here, what was your initial reaction to the news? Well, you're just horrified to see the community's pain, but I also think about the things we could have done as a society for us to not be here. It's incredibly disturbing, distressing and frustrating that we're still here after so many different episodes throughout history and in the last 30 years. I also think about the fact that this grocery store in a black community became a target of violence and how that will have traumatizing implications for many. 
I live in Baltimore and the day after the massacre, I went grocery shopping in a white area. I didn't feel safe going into my normal grocery store. And that says a lot. I won't even go and read. I won't go into reading the full interview because it's a lot. But I just want to say a special suck your mum to all the Americans who do not want to give up their guns. Like I want to say a special fuck you to the NRA. Um, I want to say um, a special fuck you to Joe Biden, to Kamala Amala Harris, um, to everybody really. Um, just a, a massive fuck you and suck your mothers because when those children were shot, when there was that mass shooting in the um, in the children's school, was it a primary school or um, um, a kindergarten, whatever, when children were killed and even then you weren't like, you know what, we need to change these gun laws. That's when I knew that you lot were done out here. Like you are finished. As a country, America is finished. You are finished. Children, children. And that wasn't enough for you to be like, you know what, this is long. I, 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 I stand by my racism as in this is being said by a white, I stand by my racism and, but we're going to have to change these laws if it's going to affect the babies. But even then you were like, no, the white supremacy in you is so strong that you're like, no, I, I don't care if babies are being killed. We're keeping these guns. If you want to help the babies, give them buckets of stones that they can throw at the attacker when they come in or te- teach them how to barricade themselves into, into classrooms. Is this how you want to live life? This is how you want to live. This, this to you, this is normal. And again, remember that we're experiencing or America's experiencing its Pluto return. This is not going to end nicely. Well, it is in the grand scheme of things, but it's not going to go nicely is the best way to, to describe it. You can't keep doing this because you have a clear problem. You have a clear problem when it comes to violence and you can displace it on as many marginalized communities as you want. You'll say it's that's the Mexicans or it's the black people. It's the this, it's the that. Never taking ownership of the fact that the largest terrorist organization in the modern world are white male Americans. Largest terrorist organization. Why is it that, who was it that put up a post about the KKK and Instagram pulled it down? Why are you pulling it down? Why are you pulling it down? Why don't you want people to tell the truth? The largest terrorist organization in the modern consciousness is not any brown skin terrorist terrorist organization that we've been told about. While they are dangerous, while, of course, we should be aware of these things, the, the, the person that's usually pointing the finger or the people that usually pointing the finger are equally, if not more dangerous, and there's way more of them. And they've been establishing this for centuries. And going into people's countries and saying, we want to bring you civilization. We want to bring you democracy. What civilization and democracy do you want to bring that you have never experienced yourself? You, you can't. It's just disgusting at this point. There's no more denying it before you could turn around and be like, oh, well, we don't actually know if they went to go and shoot the people because they're black. No, no, no. He went into a black neighborhood and did that. And then now Tops is gone, the supermarket that they didn't have for years, because you lot love to talk about the, again, when we're talking about our pre-existing conditions of black people, why don't you have life insurance? You don't talk about the systemic and institutional things that make it impossible for people to have the type of lifestyles that would mean that they live long, that would mean that when they try to get life insurance, that they'll be given the life insurance. You don't talk about all of those things. For a long time, this this area, this community in Buffalo did not even have a single fucking supermarket. So when we're talking about food deserts, because I know I've talked about it, you know, in episodes before, 
There is a strategized approach To killing marginalized communities Especially racially minoritized communities in, uh, In and around the world But especially in America It is glaringly obvious so why you've got Jamie Oliver running up and down here going, oh, well, da, 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 da. you shouldn't be able to do multi-buy deals. You need to ask yourself why the government isn't providing food for people in the first place or isn't subsidizing it in a way that makes it affordable. Not everybody has waitrose in their area, oh, oh, Jamie. You know, okay, they might have a Morrison's, but you, you, are you going to give them the money to buy the thing? So if they can just go to a young Iceland, if they could just go to a young pound land, they're going to go to where they need to go to get their food. So rather than you judging them, go and take it up properly with the government. Stop making it about the multi-buy deals and make it about the fact that the energy fuel and the way that they're charging people, the cost of living crisis, all of these things that we've got in place, the fact that people are experiencing homelessness, make it about those things. Make it about the fact that nobody actually needs to be poor. Nobody actually needs to be poor. And it is a way that our mindsets have been reconfigured to make us believe that that shit is normal. It is not normal. The, con- the current circumstances that we are living in as a global society is not normal. Something needs to change. And so when you're looking at this Buffalo massacre um, and you're, you know, you're looking at this, um, what happened at Top Supermarket and all the black people that were killed, the 10 black people that were killed in that super, um, supermarket and the families and the people who have been left traumatized as a result of it and, and, and the fact that the supermarket is now gone. This is the impact of white violence. This is the impact of white supremacist violence in that white people still get to go about their business. Meanwhile, the black people in that community are now back to square one or even, but they're not even at square one. That is square minus 100. And then you, but you expect them to work their way out of poverty. You work, you expect them to work their way out of that by selling them aspirational dreams like, oh, we had a black president. What the fuck does that mean? When Flint doesn't still have clean water. What the fuck? What the fuck does any of it mean? And then when you consider the talking points that this little motherfucker is using about the reason that he wants to go out and kill black people, it's the same things that you're hearing on Fox News and things like that. I was even going to play a video earlier of where this white woman, she's got a biracial son. So some kind of black guy decided to be unfortunate enough to impregnate her. Um, She's talking about the fact that ever since her um, the, her, the, her son's school in, in, introduced critical race theory, he's now saying that this is racist and that is racist and he never used to talk about that. And that shows your failing as a white mother. Oh, he now refers to himself as black. Well, in the society that he lives in, if you knew your history, you'd actually know why he refers to, to himself as black. If you went and actually bothered to learn about the, how we've been racialized in this world, you would actually know why he's referring to himself as black. But all you wanted was black cocky. That's all you wanted. Black cocky down your throat, inner your nan. That's all you wanted. And now look at where you found yourself. You don't know how to relate to your son because you're a useless, you're a useless bitch. That's what you are. You're a useless, nasty bitch. And so she says that now she wants to sue his school for teaching him the things that you could not. You want to sue a school for teaching him the things that you clearly failed at. You cow. And so now we go back to the Buffalo shooting. 10 families, 10 black people, sorry, 10 black people killed their families, you know, you know, traumatized forever. Everyone back to square, square minus 100. These talking points, they're learning it from places like Fox News. Fox News, I believe that Fox News incites this kind of violence from their news anchors and the, the guests that they have and the talking points that they have. Like, America's in the gutter. I'm so sorry. It's in the pits. It's in, it, and, and Britain is no much better. Don't get me, twi- don't get it twisted. Britain is fucked as well. But the magnitude of the fuckedness that America's in right now 
it's not going to go well. Like it's just not. Um, and you know, to me, it's just, it's just absolutely wild that everyone's there scratching their heads. Like, Oh, um, I can't believe that this is happening. I don't know how we ended up here. Well, it's very clear how you ended up here. Like, colonialism. I was reading about this indigenous um, chef the other day who's trying to um, retrace the history, like in indigenous foods and practices, because basically when um, the British and all of them people arrived, um, all of them, Europe basically came to come and fuck America up or this land up um, or that land up. They um, killed their buffalo So they didn't have anything to eat They wiped out the kind of They just messed with the ecosystem of the land And, um, you know, killed a lot of the indigenous um, You know, the Native Americans killed them The ones that were left Pushed into these like federal reserves um, um, You know, given not great food Everything in like black and white cans And tins and alcohol Like encouraging um you know and um, bad health encouraging um um you know ill mental you know me- mental illness encouraging all of these things so as to take the, the to take their land um and the chef is basically trying to relearn the things that um the practices that his ancestors had and to make foods with them and i just thought i'm going to find out the name and hopefully i remember to let you lot know but or some one of you might let me know and i'll retweet it but I just thought it was so um, encouraging because this was not by chance. Like America, as we know it, is is reeling from the effects of its own violence. The things that, you know, you brought this on yourself as in white America. And they're going to have to, they're going to have to reckon with it in one way or another. Whether they're pretending that they can't see what this white guy did, you can't pretend for too long. You really, really can't. Um yeah, it says here, 11 of the 13 victims were black, two were white, after an 18-year-old white man opened fire at a supermarket in New York. Um, why am I not seeing, I swear I saw his um, name earlier. But my main thing is like, um, a, a suck your mum has to go out to the, um, a suck your mum actually has to go out to the uh, the operator when 911 was called and they were speaking low and saying that the shooters in the store and then the operator was like, I can't hear you properly. And they hung up the phone. Suck your mum forever. You fucking idiot. You're clearly useless at your job. You're meant to be taking emergency calls and you don't listen when an emergency is taking place. Um, uh, And I also find it interesting that he is alive. You know, they managed to apprehend him after he shot that many people um, or killed, what's it? Um, 13 of the victims they said so 13 so you managed to kill that many people but they still managed to arrest you alive but black people who have been unarmed you've managed to kill them because you were fearful of them you're not fearful of somebody that you know has opened fire in a supermarket though you managed to get him and get him to where he needs to be unscathed because again that's how you reward white supremacy and those who go to um, you know be the perpetrators and whatever you reward them by letting them stay alive and watch if the GoFundMe's and started to support him like they did George Zimmerman. Um, or is it what's his name? Well, Zimmerman Shah. Um, it's so it says here the victims so far. Well, the victims were Aaron Salter, Ruth Whitfield, Catherine Massey, um, Roberta Drury, Pearly Young, Hayward Patterson, Celestine Cheney, Geraldine M. Talley, Andre McNeil, and Margus uh, Margus Morrison. Um, I pray that, you know, you're, I'm, I'm so sorry that 
this is what happened and your lives were taken, snatched away in such horrendous circumstances. I pray for peace for you. I pray that you can rest in peace and I pray that justice in some form or some kind of accountability is found and is received um, as a result of this because this is this is wild. And um, like the fact that he was legally allowed to like buy this gun, um, he live streamed it on Twitch, the, the, the whole shooting, you know, live streaming it because we have to talk about that, like how um, the violence inflicted on black people is something that people like to share online. Like they like to share it online. Like when um, George Floyd was killed, everybody wanted to share the video. Well, not me, but you know, the everybody's, the every, all the whites wanted to share the video because, oh, I needed to see it to understand what happened. You don't need to see it. Because if someone told you that something happened to a white person, you wouldn't need to see it to empathize with it. But because you don't consider black people to be human, that's why like, oh yeah, no, I need to see it to be able to empathize with what happened. And it's quite sad. So um, his name, I read that he injured 13 people, but killed 10. Um, Peyton S. Gendron, rot in hell, you piece of shit. Suck your mother for an eternity, you absolute cunt. It will never, ever be well with you. You absolutely demonic, demonic soul. Like you're a horrible person. And they'll try to make every excuse for you under the sun whether it's to do with mental health or mental, you know, this, that. I just believe that you're just plain evil and they shouldn't conflate it with mental illnesses. You're just an evil, evil person. And you're clearly um, someone who's been radicalized by white supremacist patriarchy as it's enmeshed into our everyday living situations. And you are the result of that. And other white men just like you, Dylan Roof, all of them just like you, like you're all nasty and may you never ever see anything other than a jail cell for the rest of your life like that is where you deserve to be um to the like I said to the one that the dispatch caller whatever you suck your mother to to all the governmental um, um governmental authorities that had a chance congress all of you people that had a chance to change this and you refuse to all of you can go suck out as well everybody everybody that believes that these gun laws are normal you can suck out for an eternity. Anybody that believes that they need to see black people literally being killed in order to understand that it's wrong, you can go suck out for an eternity. All of you go suck out until you pass out in like permanently. That's what I want for you. Um, so it wasn't just that, that um, I um, was, you know, paying attention to that I thought was wild. Benefit um, is um, a cosmetics brand. They decided to take a lot of, I think, hundred influencers, one hundred influencers, to Hawaii for um, a, you know, a tr- uh, influencer like press trip or whatever. This was after Hawaiians had made it clear that they are suffering. Tourism is just has them on the ropes in terms of they don't have many resources for themselves. They don't even have much water at the moment to, to have as people. The pandemic really, really hit them hard. Um, you know, they, so they were encouraging, encouraging people to not visit Hawaii while they're going through it. They were like, please don't come. Benefit decided that they were still, the cosmetics brand decided that they were still going to take these influencers over there. My, I want Benefit to suck out. And I'll say that with my chest, you suck out. But also the influencers that went, why don't you like to listen? I know that some of you are like, oh, you know, I want to, this means a lot. Like they would consider me and take me there. And I'm not trying to be hypocritical in this situation because I've worked with brands who are actually problematic. But this is also why I'm like, you know what? I don't work 
I don't want to work with brands anymore. That's why I don't really, I don't consider myself an influencer. I didn't have the tummy for it. I didn't have the heart for it to be doing all of that because I'm just like, I know where, I know what you guys get up to and I just don't feel too, too comfortable with this. No matter what new hashtag sustainability or hashtag Black Lives Matter, whatever thing that you're saying, I don't really believe it because I know that you don't believe it. So I'm not trying to come at you from a hypocritical vibe, but I just feel like after 2020, surely everybody's eyes don't shine. Everybody's eyes should should be shining by now where you understand that there are certain things that you don't do. Like you should care about the people who are telling you, the Hawaiians who are telling you like, fam, don't come here. Like we're going through it. Don't come here. And you're still like, no, no, well, we're going to go because they invited me and I want to have a good time and be there. And it's picturesque. But why do you want to be, do you not understand how you're being used as a tool of um, essentially white supremacy and of capitalism when like people have expressly said, don't come here, um, you know, who live there, the natives of that land are saying, don't come here. We're going through it. And you're like, we're going to go anyway. So you're putting their resources under more stress because they've got to now factor in a hundred of you lot as in the influencers, plus the, the whole team that's bringing you along or for you to have a gr- good time. Do you know what it means for them in terms of, people and things like that and a lot of people are still reeling so they don't even have stuff like that you're you're just putting a lot of pressure on their like their systems out there and they don't want it but you don't care that's a problem that's a problem and I'm not trying to come at influencers mad because I feel like sometimes people do um and I do believe that a lot some you know a lot of times the critique is valid but then other times I feel like some of the quote-unquote critique is mean-spirited um but on this occasion like any of you that went like you're very wild you're very very wild for doing that and um it's not my straw isn't even necessarily for you I well partial straw for you to suck out because these people told you not to come there but it's Benefi who took you there you lot can suck out because why why do you not want to listen to people? They said that they don't want you there and you decided to go there as a brand and, and stomp all over their wishes and because of your privilege. Disgusting scenes. Next, next to make it up, you'll be like, and here's our Hawaiian lip balm and we're giving all the proceeds to the... <laughs> I clock you. I see. I clocked your tea. I know where this is all going. Um, also, the coverage of smallpox is... Um, or oh, sorry, monkeypox is an absolute mess. You're saying that, um, you know, you've got about 20 cases or whatever in Spain currently. Maybe that's why Spirit didn't want me to go to Barcelona, you know, because I was hoping I'd get to go to the Barcelona Grand Prix and like people flop the ting. Um, but after hearing like the outbreak of monkeypox, I'm like, maybe God wanted me to just sit down. Um, but other than that, they said that you've got this breakout in Spain. You've had this breakout over in Canada. You've had this breakout over here. So why is it a black person's skin that you're using to show what monkeypox looks like and people are like oh yeah but it was the only known um photo that we had and it did originate from west africa from um, from animals to humans so we're just using the photos that we could find you're all fucking liars because there are actually pictures of white people with monkeypox use that it's accurate right now for what's happening right now you should use pictures of white people with monkeypox as opposed to just letting people scan what they're reading and then see black people and be like oh yeah they're the problems you did it with so many other things you've just done it you've done it during this pandemic that we're still trying to live through and you've seen the harm that it causes people so why are you doing it again oh of course white supremacy so we always come back to that at the end of the day we're always going to come back to that and people are oh this is what you talk about all the time you can go and listen to something else nobody's asking you to be here first and foremost you don't have to be here and you can go suck out because i will talk about what i need to talk about 
Also, I said to you earlier that I blocked um, a few people and I did because time and time again, I've told you that I'm not your rent and angry black woman. And oftentimes, even when I'm not online, I still am privy to certain things and I know what things are happening. The next story I'm going to talk about is this 11 year old boy that had his finger amputated due to the racist school um, that had been alerted to the racism that he was encountering. And they basically did nothing to um, to address it. A few black women were sending me this, um, you know, story. They were saying all this, you know, this um, incident, they were sending it to me and I'd already seen it. And I'd already known that I was going to talk about it on the podcast. I was also not online like that at all. Um, But to go into my inbox um, or go into my DMs and see that people had sent it to me. And it's just like, you know what? I've stated my boundaries time and time again, and you don't want to listen. So you can suck out and catch this block. Because if you so desperately want me to see something, which a lot of you did do, and I appreciate it, you email it to me on sym at com. But you don't want to email. You just want to jump in my DMs. Stop jumping in my DMs. Like I'm friendly, but I'm not your friend. Stop. Like even when it's just in the request, because sometimes, you know, you might see something that, actually makes sense and worthwhile in requests but more time I'm just scanning through and all I see are people sending me shit that I never asked you for never ever asked you for like give people breathing space like it's funny how when I come offline and I take a break offline yeah how people don't realize how addicted they are to seeing me bring them the news and bring them the things so when I go what they'll try to do is come up with or orchestrate some kind of drama that I need to come back for this is separate to this they'll orchestrate some kind of drama that I need to come back for that I need to speak on you can never draw me out you know you can never draw me out I've told you time and time again like you can't rattle a rattler you can't draw me out for anything I'm a bigger girl for a lot of you lot. Like I'm, you can't draw me out. You can't make me come out to come and talk to talk about something and try to use fear to get me, get me to do that. I'm not your age mate. I'm not, I've been out here for a while. I'm not your age mate. And you don't know what I know. You don't know what I've seen. So please, but regarding this situation, I will continue to block. I don't care who the fucking person is. If I've told you, stop sending me trauma in my inbox and I, or in my DMs and I said, you can, e- you can email it to me at this address and you choose not to do that, then I'm well within my rights to do what I decide to do then. It is what it is. But back to this um, story. So um, Raheem, Raheem Bailey, um, he's 11 years old and he was attending Arbitillary um, Learning Community. That's the name of his school. He's um, been... Uh, a victim of racial and physical abuse at this school for nearly a year. That's what his mother said. Um, and it's just wild, basically. It says here, a heartbroken mum says her son had to have his finger amputated after fleeing from what she says were racist bullies. Well, they were. Raheem Bailey, 11, caught his hand on a fence as he tried to run away after an exchange at his school. Um, Doctors were not able to were not able to save the finger after he caught it on railings while trying to escape after an alleged attack at Arbitillary Learning Community School in Wales. Angry Chantelle Bailey says, well, I don't like the word angry to describe the mother, but I guess she is angry about this, but it's the way that they put it together. Angry Chantelle Bailey says her, her boy was has suffered racial and physical abuse since starting in September 2021, but says she didn't realise how bad it had got until he phoned her crying on Monday. He had mentioned a few incidents of people being mean to him recently. I did not realise the extent of what, um, of what he was going through until an incident this week. On Monday, Raheem called me in tears while I was at work saying that he's being bullied, but that he has, um, that he was one 
But he was the one who was threatened with detention Despite him being the one that's getting picked on Mother of four Chantel says she went to the school to discuss what had happened And was reassured that everything would be handled But on Tuesday she got another call from Raheem Who was screaming in pain She claims on Tuesday morning break time Raheem was attacked and beaten by a group of children whilst in school He was pushed to the ground and then repeatedly kicked um, he made a desperate attempt to leave the school ground in order to escape the situation, but caught his finger. I received a phone call from Raheem and then the school informing me of the incident. The school told me that the ambulance would arrive, could, wouldn't arrive for two hours, but advised me not to drive Raheem to A&E myself. Raheem, his baby brother and I were taken to a minor injuries unit by the school bus, despite them knowing that his injury was severe. We spent the next five hours waiting for an ambulance to transfer us to the location where he would undergo, undergo surgery in Swansea, 50 miles away from his home and school. As time rolled on, it became more apparent that the possibility my son was going to lose his finger was a real one. The doctors then confirmed this was likely. I had to explain to him while, we, while he sat there in agony. Raheem had to undergo six hours of surgery to try and save his finger, but it was not successful and had to be amputated. Chantel says he's back home and in a lot of pain. I think he's still suffering from shock because he keeps asking why it has happened to him and asking why people don't like him. We still have not seen his hand um, because it's all bandaged up, but it's going to take some time for him to get used to it. I'm extremely upset because from the day of, of the incident until now, the school has not reached out to me to check on his well-being. A spokeswoman for Arbitillary Learning Community says, we are currently working closely with Gwent Police and the local authority to establish the full details of the incident. The well-being and safety of our pupils and staff remains the paramount remains of paramount importance. We will not be commenting further at this time. Gwent Police confirmed it's investigating the incident after receiving a report on Wednesday, May 18th. A spokesperson for the force said, we received the report of an incident at a school in Arbitillary, um, uh, around 10 p.m. Sorry, on 1 p.m. on Wednesday, where an 11-year-old boy was injured. A multi-agency meeting has taken place, and we're working with the school as part of our ongoing inquiries. Fuck the police. Fuck Arbitillary Community School, whatever they call themselves. Fuck you lot. Fuck you. Fuck you. Suck out. Go suck out for an eternity. Suck out. Suck out. So suck out and go and sleep underwater. Like you're all very nasty, very very disgusting people. Um, and also suck out to all of you people who like to say that, oh, my, my relative, they're racist, but they're of a different time. But can you see the children that you lot are having? Can you see the children that you lot are having and what they're doing? Because you keep trying to make it out like racism is this far away thing is far away and it's just happening over there. The children that you are birthing of this moment. And I want to take this moment to say RIP again to Shukri Abdi, because your racist children are killing black children. Your racist children, your racist white children that you are birthing out of your, your decomposed nasty vaginas, your nasty wombs, they're hurting children irreparably, either taking their lives by drowning them or making it so that while they're trying to flee from an attack, they're losing a finger. When will all of this stop? Because when your children start getting batted up, when we now start giving extra self-defense classes to these black children and they start beating the shit out of your white children, that is, what, is that when you're going to learn? But then it'll turn into, oh, well, we're going to train our white children too. You've already trained them. You've already trained them to be nasty, vicious, vicious beings. This is uncalled for. And it reminds me of that video that I saw that was going viral online where a white girl ate some kind of 
um treat that she wasn't meant to have eaten or she took it and she um and she didn't have permission and her mum was like oh you know who took the rare 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 and she was like a black man took it that is how and she was and the mum was giggling this is the these are the fucking useless children that you lot are raising like you're you've already fucked up the future because this is these are the kind of children that you lot are raising are you not are you not embarrassed you're not embarrassed that you've got little racist little little racist fucking shits as, as children and they learned it from somewhere. You know, it's not something that just came. They learned it from somewhere. They learned it from the home. They learned it from the from the subliminal, as you think they are, messages that you're passing through films and cartoons and this and that. They're learning it through a number of, you know, um, different types of media. And you brought it on. You brought it on them. But you'll be quick to say, oh, no, no, no. No racism is in my parents' time or my grandparents' time. No, your children are racist. And what is going to be done about it? I'm so sorry, Raheem, that that happened. And I'm, you know, I'm so sorry that your family are going through it. And I'm so sorry that when you look at your hand, that this is the reminder that you have. I think that there's a GoFundMe because um, Raheem's mum's trying to raise money for him to get a prosthetic finger. Um, so if people can support, please do. But even the VIM, that the police isn't given the VIM that's expected. And, it's, and especially because they're going to try and go with what the school is saying where it's like oh well how was like the duty of care lacking you made them wait five hours I wonder what could have been done in that in those five hours if you'd acted quickly and why didn't you want them to go to A&E why didn't you want them to go because you were already thinking of the legal implications for yourself I want your school shut down arbitrary rare 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 I want your school shut down and I want you to be sued I want you to be sued that every person every person in charge lose your livelihood lose everything because and the family the family of the the children that did what they did to Raheem all of you rot in hell as well everybody rot in hell because what's happened in this situation is completely vile and I'm so angry I'm angry on a number of levels but I think to myself as a mother god forbid I experience something like that I'm going to slap up I'm going to fuck up your children I promise you that there is nothing in this world that will stop me because you don't nobody's going to be touching my child anyhow first I'll beat you up as a parent and you police can really come and gather us Police can really come and gather us because this is getting out of hand. And you're waiting for the right authorities to, to deal with these things and to handle these things. And everybody's slacking because the VIM isn't there because it's a black child. They feel like black children don't deserve protection. The VIM is not there. The same um, MPs that were shouting up and down about Will Smith's slap. Why are you not saying anything about this situation? A child lost a finger. A child lost a finger. Why are you not shouting up and down about this? Why are you not writing letters about this? Because all of your anger, all of your outrage is performative. You only get outraged and do all of those things when you're trying to get black people to stay in their stations. Meanwhile, your station is in hell. That's all I have to say. I'm sending love to Raheem and his family because this is just disgraceful. It's it's just disgraceful. Like, it's horrible. It's horrible to think that this is what's happening out there. Any child, you can't keep expecting that your children can can cause such trauma to another child and think that their families are going to stand idly by. Anybody can get touched. Anybody can get touched. Get your children in order. Start teaching them to be actual stewards of this earth and to respect people because if they start placing hands on people, hands can be placed on them. This is ridiculous. And like I said, it makes me think about Shukri Abdi all over again. And it's just like, justice wasn't done. 
Those white children that drowned her have been protected. These white children that caused Rahim to lose his finger will probably be protected too. And then you're going to be surprised in, um, in, in 10 years when they're out here causing, shooting up um, supermarkets like this one, like this Peyton, whatever his name is. White supremacy is everywhere. And they said white supremacy is not the shark, it is the water. Let's start behaving like we understand this properly. So anyway, that's that for this week's episode. Um, remember um, to look after yourself. You know, after Jerry Springer has just done a madness, he'll be like, and take care of yourself and each other. Honestly, take care of yourself because it's wild out here. And I feel like I've just been on one today, but I feel like I've also covered loads. I feel like it'll probably be a very long episode but it is, you know, what it is. You, uh, the live show tickets will be on sale Monday 30th of May at 10 a.m. Um, and yeah, I guess that that's um, it. I'll If I find a GoFundMe link um, for Raheem, I will put that, um, I'll put that in the, um, in the show notes as well. So you can grab it from there. You can watch this on YouTube. Remember that you can watch it on YouTube if you want to just catch a vibe. You've listened to the audio and you want to watch it. Do what you want to do. Do that. Um, well, yeah, that's it. I've been Kalechi Okafor and this has been SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What? That's right, suck your mum. I'm tired. Peace. It's the Ben's Brunani woman is baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this. Just sit down, sit down, receive this realness. Make sure your cup's ready for the tea, we are gonna sip it, yo. Hard time scrolling for your long shorts. You might learn something you never know. Collect you fine, and she's one of a kind. Don't say you mind, say you mind.